This has been incredible talking here at Monster Mania. <laughs> Monster Mania. <laughs> and if you could do a little promo, let us know who you are. Yes. Throughout your character from Mark the Clown, uh, let us know you're on Below the Belt, and then throughout, you know, the laugh or the craziness or whatever sure. you want at the end. No problem. Right. Hey, everybody, this is David Howard Thorne, Art the Clown himself, and you're watching Below the Belt. I'll kill you soon. <laughs> The Below the Belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. Oh, I got a live one here. <laughs> On, wax off. They're here. That's right, guys. It's time for another episode of BTB Below the Belt Show, our special Halloween episode. That's right. I'm Al Celebrity Soto, or dressed today as Rick Sanchez, Rick and Morty. Morty, Morty, we gotta get, we gotta get another dimension. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know what? They had these SAG rules where you. You can't be any actor from a streaming television show or movie, but you can do animation. So here I am, Rick Sanchez, bitch, uh, from Rick and Morty. Uh, happy Halloween to all our listeners here on BTV. And joining us as guest co-host for tonight, for the first half, that is, he is uh, affectionately known as Dean on the Scene <laughs> for the Rogers Review journalist extraordinaire dean rogers gene uh good to have you back on dtb well so great to have you here and even though you encouraged me to wear the scarf uniform it's like uh and you called the jersey so i was like yeah i'm not gonna do that because you called the jersey so i'm not gonna forgive you oh, for that. No. forget about that so oh, um, no. i decided to wear my space camp uniform and this is my actual space camp uniform that i've worn 24 years ago still fit. wow still and, fit from 24 years ago yep and it still has God, i wish i could say the same yeah and it still has my badge of lieutenant colonel lieutenant commander dean rogers which was my rank at the time from rtc and my space camp wings from advanced space camp and also the reason i'm wearing it because this year marks the 30th anniversary in which the very first African-American astronaut went up in space. And that was Guy on Bluford on board the Space Shuttle Challenger on August 30th, 1983. So it's been 40 years since an African-American went up into space. You could be you could be the next one. I could be, but unfortunately, they canceled the Space Shuttle program <laughs> 11 years ago. <laughs> so whatever the next mission, I know 
Um, there are a couple of um, independents who are trying to go up in space again. So you never know. But, but then again, talk to Elon. That could work, yeah. That but then could again, work. I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the starship captain of the USS Mate Jemison. So, or as <laughs> um, that actually just reminded me of um, a, a quick story I will tell when I interviewed Simon Pegg, and he was out of school with his teacher, and he said he wanted to be an astronaut. And his teacher said, you can't be an astronaut. And he said in his interview, because we were talking about the world's end, that, you know what, I may not be an astronaut, but I'm the motherfucking engineer of the Starship Enterprise. Says that. There you go. <laughs> well, <laughs> he, we, we got one more. <laughs> I just love hearing you curse, because it's uh, you know, few and far between. But we do have one more person introduced on the panel. And because we're both cosmic beings, uh, Dean being from NASA, myself being the smartest man in all the galaxy, uh, we have Officer Darth Paul Wallace. I don't know if he's a Sith Lord or he's yeah, just I'm a Sith Lord. I'm, I'm just undercover right now. Undercover police officer Paul Darth Wallace. <laughs> Good to have you back on BTV. Nice to be here. Yeah, this is a Halloween episode. I remember when you wore the similar outfit, uh, Paul, and we had um, one of the comedian actors from Cobra Kai. He was legit scared that you're going to gonna arrest him on the air. But uh, well, well, see, this is actually a real police out uh, uniform. I mean, because I mean, I've worked on a lot of shows. So. Well, there you go. It's about as legit as you can be, you know. But yeah, it is our Halloween episode, uh, gentlemen. So uh, let's talk about stuff going on in in the Halloween world and, of course, um, the film world. But just to start uh, with Halloween, um. So, you know, I was telling, uh, talking earlier about Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty. Um, so Al's the new voice. You, That's right. That's right, Morty. We're going to another galaxy. <laughs> that's the best I can do. I mean, I, I think, think that's new... still better than the guy I have now, to be honest with you. But <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Uh, I, uh, I, think, I think that guy's pretty damn close as you can probably get. But um, hey, man, if you think my my uh, my impression is not bad either, I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, you know, they're they're saying that you know SAG actors you can't dress like characters from your favorite streaming shows, but animation well, is you're okay. A cartoon. Cartoons yeah, are anim okay. animation is okay. So there you go. So all the celebrities yeah. are out for Halloween. Uh, apparently, there's this big Pasamigos Halloween party in Los Angeles, which takes place at a private. Beverly Hills residence and uh, interesting that some celebrities did not give an F about the SAG after rules, um, uh, which, you know, it, it does happen. I mean, you know, I, I figured that a lot of the celebrities feel like they're immune to any, any rules and some See, adhere to it. Off? I mean, what, what's the punishment? Well, they didn't say any punishment. They're just discouraging actors from dressing up, but, um, if you didn't know, uh, Austin Butler, who's the actor from Elvis, he dressed up as Andy Warhol, which of course that doesn't, um, you know, violate any SAG rules. And his girlfriend is Cindy Crawford's daughter, who's a split image of Cindy Crawford. You mean, uh, Pete Davidson's ex. That's right. Kaya Gerber. That's right. Uh, and, uh, she played, um, Edie Sedgwick, who is a Warhol Warhol superstar, I guess, during that era. Well, technically, what if Austin Butler just came in wearing like sideburns? Could they say anything like sideburns and leather jacket? I mean, because 
Well, I mean, he I figured Elvis, Elvis and he Elvis. looks like Elvis, but he doesn't say he's dressed like Elvis. He could just be like, I just decided to wear my leather jacket today. Yeah, I mean, I guess he could have did that, but I mean, he's already been there, done that, you know, so why not dress up as Andy Warhol, you know? Yeah. Um, but then you have like Ma- Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox. So Megan Fox is clear sag after and is she Megan, back with him now? I, I thought that I should, I thought she left. That's him. that's what I'm trying to figure out because they were seen together at the Casamigos uh, Halloween party, where Machine Gun Kelly was Beatrice Kiddo and Megan Fox was Gogo Yabari. And you know, there's always going to be controversy because yeah. Megan Fox's character was Asian, and Megan Fox is clearly not Asian. But you know what? Uh, I don't know. I mean, um. And then you have Victoria Justice who dressed as Icon Cher, um, which I think, uh, in my opinion, uh, Victoria Justice is uh, the hotter of the two. Yeah. If it's safe to say without being offensive. Um, but it seems like for the most part, people yeah, just see, dress see, as... I was not attracted to like 80-year-olds right now, so that's what it is. <laughs> that might be it. That might be a big part of it. Um, but, but for the most part, you know, like Jessica Alba, she dressed up as Britney Spears from Hit Me Baby One More Time. Um, and, wait a second, uh, wouldn't that be like a race swap too? Because I mean, isn't Jessica Alba like kind of like um, isn't she like Hispanic? She's like part Hispanic, yes. So I'm not going to be all up in arms if people want to be bitches and complain yeah. whether they're the wrong ethnicity. Or whether um, they're violating a SAG rule. Well, do you know what? Do you know what the thing is? They're just the end of Panderverse. That's what it is. Well, they can just really just go f themselves seriously because yeah. you, you people are taking the joy out of Halloween. Yeah, you're right. I mean, our own Sabrina Taylor Smith uh, dressed up as Starlight, and who cares? Who cares if Sabrina is black and Indian and she's playing yeah. a, a blonde-haired um, superhero from the Amazon yeah. shows? If she's having fun, you know. Um, and plus, it's just one night of the year, the night where yes. people up. It's like, are you seriously going to attack and limit everyone's creativity? I understand the strike. I understand there's rules. Yeah. But right. call me, give them a pass. Just one night. Yeah, just one night. You. Give us a pass. And it's like, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to punish them? Are you going to take away rights considering that we're not filming anything? And God knows when we're they are going to film. Or no, I, I, I know. I know when we're going to film. It's going to be at the January because the fall season's already over and there's no way they're going to start a show right now in November just to shut it down in two weeks to for vacation. So it's going to be at least January now. If well, I, I don't care what they say. There's no chance of anything being resolved by January. I do have an update, Big Paul, on the... It is not resolved, is it? Well, from the recent meeting today, um, so apparently things are looking a little less scary this Halloween is what, is what this article is saying. And basically what the two sides broke off in the afternoon was dealing with the AI issues specifically. Maybe it seems maybe they were able to resolve the residuals um, demands of the well, actors. No, I don't think that's what it is. I think the AI is the one that's resolved. I think it's well, the residual. This is, this is what I'm reading. Um, so apparently they spent a large part of the afternoon dealing with the AI issues and are set to return to the bargaining table on Wednesday. But while expressing that the talks are headed the right direction, they still say it will take a few days to work through the remaining issues. Okay. Not necessarily that saying that the streaming issues have been resolved, but it seems yeah, well, like a large part of the day was spent on the AI issues. Mm-hmm. I think that one's the, the the streaming issues is, are going to be the biggest thing, and that's never going to be resolved if what they want is to actually know the numbers, because there's no way those 
networks are ever going to release those numbers because if the shows show to be flops that they're advertising as hits their stock goes down and then the streaming service lose either loses subscribers or they or they lose money it's like there's no way they're ever going to admit that yeah well if they put numbers out they're going to lie about the numbers there's no way that they can ever admit that they're they screwed up like i mean amazon there's no way rings of power had the amount of viewership they said they had Yes, yes, you've made that aware before, Big Paul, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I do agree that it's not probably going to be resolved before 2024. Um, yes, due to the holidays coming up. And yeah, well, why why start a person I mean, now? Yeah, as I said, like, why, the- there's nothing to incentivize them to like being like, hey, we could film this show for the fall season. It's like, fall season's over. Yep. So more than 3,600 SAG members have signed an open letter saying they would rather go on strike than to cave to a bad deal. So the group is calling themselves Members in Solidarity. Interesting. Um, so it includes Julie Louis-Dreyfus from Veep, John Hamm from Mad Men, Maya Hawke from Stranger Things, Marissa Tomei, John Leguizamo, Brian Cranston, among many other names. And basically, um, the letter supports... Um, the SAG after nominating committee and says it speaks for the majority of the guild who are still sta- standing in solidarity, ready to strike as long as it takes and to endure whatever we must in order to win the deal. So we will see what happens. Um, um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think the problem is the negotiating community is all from California and New York, and that's just going to hold us up forever because they, they want too much. I mean, I'm all for the union. I'm all for the strike. The AI thing I agree with. I do think we should give residuals, but there's no way those services could ever advertise what they truly get as views. And I don't think it's possible. And uh, they made that mistake early on when they signed that in the first place. But it's there's nothing they can do now. It's too late. With the exception, again, of Netflix. Netflix is the only one that discloses their streaming. I don't even know if they're disclosing the full numbers because they don't have to. There's no requirement. Well, they're, disclosing, that they're disclosing their top top five their top, films. Their top, top five, five, yes. Top but, five. But like uh, if you're but if you're one of those shows that kind of stocks, it's like people watch Stranger Things. But if you're a show like that's a I forget, I don't I don't even know what about. Well, if you're Velma, I don't know if Velma's on Netflix or not. They're not going to disclose they, those numbers. They they track viewing numbers. That's the, as far as I know. Netflix is the only one stepping up as far as uh, the numbers and mm-hmm. the weekly numbers. But let's uh, let's uh, go over the box office uh, since we were talking film in the first part of BTV and. Uh, we do have a movie review from the Sith Lord himself. Okay. Uh, and the number one movie that raked at 80 million in its domestic debut over the Halloween weekend is Five Nights at Freddy's. And uh, wow, this is a very, very popular Blumhouse uh, film. The IP itself is very popular yep. because it's a very popular video game. But um, you looks like you've seen it, big Paul's yeah, I, I saw it, and, and I think they changed it because I think originally it was supposed to be rated R, and I think there's noticeable differences where like you could see stuff was cut out that might show up and it might get a higher rating for me later on when you add the other stuff in. But I understand what their market is. Their market's like teenagers and maybe like 10, 12-year-olds because that's what the game was aimed for, but the movie originally was going to be an R, I think. And um, I, I rank it like maybe a, a 7 seven out of ten i mean seven it was kind of, of just because it was kind of toned down um but as i said it's like i think it's because the ip what it is they had to tone it down for theaters because to get a higher box office because the because the, of the, the demographics 
yeah, yeah. the demographic. But I think they, I think eventually they're going to have to do they're going to do it. Like there's scenes in it where like there's a scene where like Freddy gets in a cab and like he's all beat up. But the scene before he killed somebody. So before he killed somebody, he was perfectly fine. So obviously there must have been a more brutal death scene that they had to edit to make it more kid friendly. You know what I mean? I think it's the case for anything that has a video game because that yeah. that is the youth the, the younger demographic yeah and it's interesting but as i said last... i think they're gonna probably do i'll be i'm i'm not sure they're gonna do a director's cut or a an r version eventually just because i, I mean you should. can tell there was a lot cut out because it, it was good anything anything that's horror related should have um a version yeah it was good adults, and yeah. as i said it's it had it, they they wanted the lore of the video game what they wanted the lore of the main character so i mean i think it check the boxes but as i said it just was toned down okay well i mean it yeah. good, uh, that's and it had like a real good stranger things type of vibe because it took i mean yeah. i think it took place in the 90s but you just got the 80s vibe from like the locations and stuff cool i'll, I'll definitely have to check it out um i haven't seen a movie uh, in the theater in a while i might have to uh rectify that situation but uh yeah since we're on strike i mean i've been watching a lot of movies recently so. that's not a bad idea to do so Taylor Swift, can you believe she's still ruling the box office uh, at number two? That is, I haven't seen that one yet. Fourteen point seven for the Taylor Swift the Heiress tour, and uh, I can't see you personally, Darth Paul, in the stands at the theater waving your hands because you're supposed to watch the movie like a concert. <laughs> can't see Darth Paul now. Now she dumps Kelsey and decides to go out with me. Maybe I'll watch oh, it just for is, her. But is that right? Okay, well that that's that's completely fair. Uh, and another film um, that will be on Apple soon, but it's a number three movie that is Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah, third place with nine million. So, um, and you saw that as well, Darth. I believe you talked about it on a previous show. Yeah, correct? I mean, did you get a chance to watch it yet, Al, or no? I haven't seen a movie in a minute in the theaters. I think the last movie I saw in the theaters was um was blue beetle okay well, that was a good movie i mean it kind of got underrated but... i think because people had a bad taste from the dc thing but yeah then you had after death and the exorcist believer as the fourth and fifth films respectively with five million for after death and 3.26 million for exorcist believer in that yeah i saw exorcist uh, but i mean I, I never saw after death did I do a review on Exorcist or no? Um, you may have, you may have, but okay. if you want to just give us a um, little uh, summary in a nutshell. Well, I guess since it's Halloween, I guess I shouldn't review a horror movie. I mean, yeah. I think this was going to be like the original second movie based on what I what I read because I read originally the second movie was going to take place and it would have been about Reagan's twins, and there's two girls, but they went away from that because it's been so much time since. The original second movie would have taken place so they do have some original characters they have like reagan's mom in it and they have i think a couple other characters in it but it's pretty much a new story it's about like two little girls they go try to summon one of their dead parents and get possessed and then the rest you kind of know what happens next is it so. is it formulaic from the original film it's kind of yeah i mean i would give it a i would give that one probably like a seven also i mean as i said it's it was 
it had a good tone. I think it was just a little convoluted. They had they tried to add too much into there. I mean, they tried to add it like every religion in there, which I mean, I guess it works, but it's just uh, it just makes the story more convoluted because it just. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, Big Paul. Uh, two Fridays from now, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, your review on Captain Marvel uh, sequel. Uh, uh, the I heard stories already about it. Do you want me to reveal any <laughs> stories, or do you want to be like surprised? Brie Larson has has had a bad reputation lately, just for not getting along. Well, did you hear how bad this movie is going to be? That like the numbers are like based on what I've heard that from people who've seen it, um, based on some of the early uh, views of it. Okay. Apparently, Brie Larson's married to some guy, and they're like in this planet where everybody just sings. It's like really, and then it's like it's a, like a that's it's, that's one of the plot points of the movies that she's on a, a yes. planet where everybody sings where everybody sings and that's one of the plot okay well okay and um well it's it's not just that it's like a planet of mainly like where where women are in charge of everything and everybody sings in this place women are in charge of everything so men are are are, are yes subpar to women it's basically it's basically like the barbie movie but with brie larson now interesting okay and she's not as hot as uh margot robbie (laughs) (laughs) well that that that's completely uh Completely the truth on that one for sure. Um, now, um, uh, cutting back to IMAX, which I'm surprised is uh, Oppenheimer. Um, they're going to return for one week only in IMAX theaters exclusively because the film was shot on IMAX cameras. And cool. it, yeah, it will include several IMAX 70 millimeter uh, film projections locations worldwide. So uh, that's an interesting film to come back. And then there's been a shift on some upcoming releases. Um, well, Aquaman apparently they decided not to do the early release on Wednesday the 20th, so they're going to drop on Friday the 22nd for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. And then you're also going to get Robert De Niro's mobster picture, picture, Alto Knights, and it's formerly called The Wise Guys. That's See, I, I don't now, know. Yeah, that's now going to be released November 15th, 2024. Previously, February fifth, twenty twenty four. But his performance on Killers of Flower Moon was not good. I mean, he's just—I don't know if it's just him. It was just he was just like lazy on that script, or what? He just had no. It's just like he was like just reading lines. He just was there. I mean, he was like mm-hmm. he just, as I said, he has like no emotion. No, he's not Robert De Niro anymore. He's like a character. Maybe he's just there for paychecks now. I don't know what the deal was, but he wasn't as good as I thought. I mean, he. He just nuanced everything. Yeah. So, Dean, I mean, I don't seen, know. Have you seen Killers of the Flower Moon? Can you comment, Dean? Oh, Killers of the Flower Moon? Nope, I haven't seen it. No? have not seen it yet. Okay. But I guess a lot of people are going to wait for its uh, drop on Apple Apple TV. Well, Leonardo did a great job. But as I said, like, and if anything, do you know what the, he gave me the vibe of? I mean, like, Lyndon Johnson. He basically was, like, playing Lyndon Johnson. It's like, why are you playing Lyndon Johnson in this movie that took place before Lyndon Johnson was president? I don't know. Right. But that's just my impression. Right. He just was, like, he just was like, I don't know. It seemed like he was, like, either just reading the words or just not not caring. I don't I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe, maybe it's just his age. I don't know if he just has it anymore. Well... Because I mean, I, I think the character that. based on I, like the because I read the book too, and based on the book, it's supposed to be like kind of like a more kind of like a guy who's like kind of more um he thinks he's above everybody because he's doing all these good things and he's actually not doing good things. He's actually stealing money and taking advantage of people, but he has that omnipotence about him. Like I mean, like 
like honestly there there was a character in there that would have been a like if you took as i said um there's some actors in there that were better than i think he did like i mean uh what's his name um from third rock from the sun and uh now i'm drawing a blank on his name john lithgow huh john lithgow yeah john lithgow john lithgow's character had that gravitas and that voice where oh, he would have played that character perfectly He's fantastic. I mean, there's these. I'm just saying, like, if he had the role that De Niro had, I think it would have been a better movie. I think that that's I I think that I think it was just the I mean, I understand why they went with De Niro because he's friends with Scorsese, but yeah, he's a he's a darling. He it seems like Leonardo De Niro are like two of the recurring like favorites for Martin Scorsese anytime he does a film. Um, okay, moving on on the black phone. Remember that one? That's getting a sequel. Uh, the black phone too uh dated for I didn't even speak to that yeah it's kind of interesting because uh, you know when you when you think the main antagonist dies there's always a, a crazy way to bring him back but i mean it's almost um, as bad as a uh, saul where like he died he like dies in there <laughs> yeah does this this was going to drop june of 2025 and um, basically, uh, they're saying that the sequel announces the launch of a sinister new franchise. So whether they're going to have a new um, character playing the Grabber. So the Grabber was played by Ethan Hawke. Um, uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Or you know, They should use Maya Hawke. That makes sense with his daughter. Taking over. Maya Hawke, yeah. Maya Hawke would make a lot of sense. You know, I think... Uh, I mean, yeah, it's that's Ethan's kid, you know. Um, and of course, your favorite Paul Disney. They have some upcoming releases as well. Are you talking about they, Snow White? They, Did you see what they, they were just well, hold on. Uh, yeah, okay. hold on. You're jumping, you're jumping ahead of me. Oh, sorry. Now, you're jumping darn. ahead. Oh, <laughs> so Disney just dropped the first look image of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And looking at the dwarves, they are not the same people that we saw in that photo, Paul. They're actual seem like kind of like magical mythical type of elves uh dwarves but of different sizes from full-size dwarves to smaller dwarves and i think maybe that was a plan all along paul and, and everyone was really right. misled with this production have you did you see the image that just dropped yeah i it? saw the image if you notice the size yeah. of those dwarves it's a perfect size to cover people up so i think what happened was they had so much backlash they were like Let's put these CGI things over top of these people and then do it that way. I think that's what happened because they're you can I tell mean, they're big the... CGI blobs <laughs> over where, where a person would have been, and that's what they did. Well, you gotta have a stand in. You know, I so don't even think have... they're stand in, no, because because they would use mocap, and if you use mocap, they would be much skinnier. They... These things are all pretty big and bulky, and that's because mm-hmm. they they you could tell they put them over okay, top so, of somebody. So that's your theory. But if you did mocap, they would be a little skinnier, they wouldn't be like real big and blocky like that. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But they so just I'm pretty dropped... sure that they did it the way, but they had so much backlash. They were like, "Hey, let's correct this," and that's how they corrected it. And even if maybe, you do it that maybe. way, even maybe. if you do it that way, you still have doors that have been persecuted against, and you're replacing them now with CGI doors, which is even worse. Well, now the the film has been delayed to March 21st, 2025. Whether your theory is correct, Paul, I don't know, but. Um, it was originally well, I mean, supposed to be Think released. about it. If it's been delayed that long, they need time to kind of superimpose those big block, blocky CGI doors over top of the people. So that's probably what's going to happen. I want to know Dean's opinion. I mean, you've seen the um, the production stills from 
Snow White and the Seven Dwarves of Rachel Zegler, right? Do you do you think that the newest image where we see more kind of like elf-like creatures now is a response to the backlash? Or do you think they uh and they they revised all the humans from from the original footage? Or do you think they're they're already um intended to be these like animated style creatures the whole time? What do you think? I think they're probably CGI the whole time, if you ask my opinion. Yeah. Okay. So we have two different opinions. That's fine. I mean, well, they did get back. Actually, here's, 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 here's a good example. Hold on, hold on, hold, hold on. on, hold on, Paul. Paul, you got to let people talk. Hi. Please, Hi, yes, please. Good Lord. Good. Yeah, God. it's like from the from the looks of the uh, newer images, they almost tied it to the way the dwarves looked back in I think it was 1937, 38. So it kind of has that look, but a little bit updated. I definitely don't think it's a replacement of a stand-in or to cover people up because if they would have done that, they should have done that in the first place, knowing right. CGI films and everything. Yeah. But that's we'll see. Opinion. We'll see. Um, I know that you've been the biggest critic, Paul, of uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Um, well, her we'll name see. is still Snow White and you have Rachel Ziegler playing Snow White, but okay. <laughs> that is, I mean, that I, is I, Disney's... I I mean, like Disney's her name, thing, her, her, yeah. her real name wasn't Snow White, but he, she got the nickname Snow White because her skin was white as snow. White as, I get it. I get it. I know that's been. A... But and also that photo that they showed originally on the set was outside. There's no way they would if they were doing a if they were doing the CGI the whole time they would have been in front of a blue screen and they would have done it that way. So it's like, I'm telling you, they're just. And I've done mocap before, so like with mocap they scan you, and, and like it's just. Those are just big enough to cover the people that, that were there. So I have a hunch they're refilming the whole thing. They're not refilming the whole thing, but digitally updating the whole thing because of the backlash. Okay. Well, we have yet to uh, see an article uh, confirming or denying that. But uh, in the meantime, oh, then you never see one. It's all speculation at this point. Um, and then the next Pixar movie is going to be called Elio. Uh, that's going to drop on June 2025. Uh, of course, the uh, Elemental, the last Pixar movie, didn't uh, didn't do that great in the uh, at the box office. So, and then of course you have the Marvel movies as Deadpool uh, still uh, slated to open on May of 2024. The longer the actor strike, I'm really doubting that Deadpool's coming out in on May of 2024 because they only shot film? they only shot half of the movie. Wow. So I cannot see them, can't see them releasing it in May with all the uh, post-production needed. May of 2024, I believe is too soon, but that's so far yeah. the, the date that they've, uh, they've uh, scheduled for the film to release. But um, now interesting, speaking of Rachel Zegler, um, apparently the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. So that's the Hunger Games prequel, which I love the Hunger Games uh, films. This film got an interim agreement from SAG, which means that the whole cast can promote the film. So that's uh, Rachel Zegler, Viola Davis, Peter Dinklage, as you know, is Tyrion Lannister, and Hunter Schaefer from Euphoria. They can promote the film before it premieres on November 17th. And uh, at least we can yeah. finally talk to <laughs> I'm sorry, Dean, I missed you. Say that again. At least we can finally talk to some actors. <laughs> right. Dean, how, you, you, how many you, you we feel? sat there since 
the last time you talked to an actor for about a film, a project, you, you anything feel, unless you're directing you feel or my pain. You feel my pain. Listen, the last New York Comic Con, the most star-studded Comic Con next to San Diego Comic Con, we get zero actors, one voice actor, and a whole bunch of comic book creators. So there you wow. go. <laughs> so yeah, if that I'm says anything. Um, so when I covered, I think it was yeah, Station Unity back in August, the good news is they could talk to me. The bad news was um, I remember talking to one Star Trek actress who was um, a stunt woman. She could not even mention Star Trek. She had to say sci-fi series. Ugh. And I remember um, I was interviewing um, Emerald Fresnel at, at um, Middleburg. And yeah. when I wanted to compliment about Call the Midwife, she couldn't even talk about that since it's still a stricken show. Or Promising Young Woman or any of the other projects, right? No, she actually could talk about um, Promising Young Woman. And, oh, okay. Um, that was an interim agreement. Talk, um, and actually, that's the um, saving grace. Because she's a producer... Uh, direct, uh, she's director and a writer of the film. She can talk about it. Okay, there you go. And, yeah. So because of As that, because I talked to Eugenio Derbez about um, it's a radical. I think. Yeah, I think it's radical. Rad. I'm going to talk to him about that because he not only was in the film, but he also produced the film. You're right. So it little saving breaks. We can talk to actors, but if they just acted, no. You're right. You're right. Tyler you Perry, you could talk to him because Tyler Perry like writes and like. Directs and producers all But yeah, mm -hmm. Eugenio, we both talked to Dean at Noche Musical, along with Camila Morone, who was able to talk about her film Gonzo Girl. So there's some exceptions to the rules, but just not it's not it's not perfect yet. We got to get back to that. Um, let's see. There's there's a really in the spirit of Halloween, uh, Catherine Newton, who you might remember from uh, Ant Man, the newest Ant Man three. She's recast from the original actress that played uh, the daughter of of. Um, of ant-man um well yeah, see, I, don't, she, I don't like that idea i mean i know she's a bigger actress but still it's like you should she's a bigger actress she's a bigger actress and she probably you know and she's she's a sweet girl too and good looking girl so but uh she's got a new movie um where she tries to spark a romance with a reanimated corpse in cole sprouse <laughs> Oh my God! Oh, is that the one? Um, is that the one I saw like a preview for? It kind of looks. He almost looks like Johnny Depp in that movie, though. Yeah, I think it's that, called. I think that must called, have been written for Johnny Depp. It's called Lisa Frankenstein. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I saw the preview for that, and yes. I was like, Johnny Depp, like the age for this movie. And I was like, yeah, no, nah, it's, it's not Cole, Johnny Depp. Cole Sprouse from Riverdale. So, all right, but you know, like, if you need a younger Johnny Depp, I mean, he looks like a younger Johnny Depp in that movie with the makeup okay, and stuff. Yeah. On. I can see the resemblance. So interestingly enough, the film is directed by Zelda Williams. And if that name rings, oh, Robin that's, Williams' daughter, that's the daughter of Robin Williams. I was actually yeah. friends with her on, on uh, Twitter for a long time. And we used to talk about stuff before her dad died. And oh, cool. she just kind of like became more oh, famous. Wow. But she's, yeah, she Zelda. was really cool about stuff. Yeah. Very cool. She's well, a big yeah, gamer. Go, go support her film. It's going to drop. I thought it was going to drop closer to Halloween, which would make sense, but it's not dropping until um, close to Valentine's Day on February 9th. Oh, because they're making uh, it romantic. It's a romance, yeah. I think. So that's yeah, what... but the, the trailer's a lot of fun. I got to check that out, um, as you would expect from like a horror. Yeah, movie. that was one of the trailers I saw on Five Nights at Freddy's. So it's like. A... Yep. Uh, let's see. Um, and also, uh, Lena Hetty is going to be directing. You know her as Cersei Lannister from Game of Thrones. Yep. Her directorial debut is called The Trap. 
and it's it was a part of the Austin Film Festival. That's cool. And yeah, and apparently she cast her co-star from Game of Thrones, Michelle Fairley, as you know, oh. as um, Eddard Stark's uh, uh, Ned Stark's first wife. Yeah. Um, and um, basically, uh, Michelle's uh, a woman living the life of solitude when she meets a mysterious young drifter. And the project is based on Hetty's short film, which she also wrote. Um, cool. So there you go. And speaking of film festivals, uh, both myself and Dean have a little bit of an exclusive on two local film festivals that we attended. Dean, why don't you kick it off? Talk about some of the highlights from the Middleburg Film Festival. Oh, uh, well, the Middleburg Film Festival is now two weeks ago. And it was an amazing film festival. In fact, they are now on starting their double dishes. This was their 11th annual and had some amazing films. Among the films I got to see over that course of the weekend was Robot Dreams, which if you've seen the movie, the artists where there was practically no dialogue for the, the entire movie, that's what it was an animated film about a, a anthropomorphic dog, a walking dog, who decided that he was missing something inside and he wanted to build and he saw the commercial and decided to get a robot companion. And it talked about their adventures and Earth, Wind and Fire September was playing throughout the film, which made me nice. chuckle, made me laugh. And it was a very touching story. And especially it didn't have any dialogue whatsoever. And I felt it was a very good film for them to have debuted there. Also, I saw two American films. They had American films in the title. Um, the first one was American Symphony. It tells the story of John go. Baptiste mm -hmm. and his wife, who becomes his wife throughout the film. And at 22 years old, she was diagnosed with leukemia. It went into remission. And then of all the nights, the night that he was nominated for Unloving Grammy Words, and it talks about their struggles. It talks, it was a real tear tricker, especially it if was. you've seen John Baptiste and Stay Human. Oh my gosh, from that was such a good film, you know, by the way. Bear mm -hmm. yeah, it that, was that, a powerful and I, film, and I shouldn't make a note that film was a part of not only both Middleburg Festival but the Virginia Film Festival, which I got to see John Baptiste perform after his Q&A with, uh, with the director, uh, Matthew Heineman, but his performance on the piano was fantastic. I don't know if your screening had a, a performance with John as well. Did yours? Oh, no, uh, um, okay. I didn't have John, but um, Matthew Heineman, who was um, had an award after, mm -hmm. the, um, during the Q&A, he was there to um, promote the film. And nice. um, the woman was going to be there, but she, but they said she couldn't be there. So, he talked amazingly about the film. And the next film, I think it was probably one of the best films I saw in Middleburg this year is American Fiction. And this stars yes. Jeffrey Wright, yes. who you've seen in so many films. Westworld. Yeah. Westworld and the Hunger Games trilogy. You've seen him the in Batman. That. But this is the first time. Yeah, Batman. And this is the first time he is in a starring role. And he plays this writer who is upset that 
this competition is getting all the glory and the satisfaction of the books. So he decided to write this book that talks about that gives African-American vernacular a run for its money as a FU, as a joke. And then it snowballed to crazy, hilarious results. And once you see the film, I'm not, I don't want to spoil the film, but once you see this film, you'll understand where it's going and you can see his frustrations as this book suddenly explodes to something he never thought it would be possible. And then we have... Earth- well, really quick, people are saying early Oscar buzz for Jeffrey Wright's performance in American fiction. I have to agree. I mean, Jeffrey carried a film and um, Tracy Ellis Ross, who plays his sister. And we got um, Leslie Uggams, who is 81, I believe, at in the time of production. She did a tremendous... And then you have, um, oh my gosh, I'm starting K. Brown, who played his brother. I mean, these were powerful performances all around with the film. I, I, in fact, I don't know if they even announced who was the um, audience award for Middlebrook. I don't think they've announced it yet. So I have a feeling that probably the next few days we're going to see it. And then Very I nice. had an interview with um, Miriam Kershavars, who is the director of the Persian version, which was an amazing film that talks about this mother and daughter um, combo. And the daughter is struggling with the identity and of America being American and being a Persian. So it was a wonderful film. And it's a sort of based on a true story, not a true story, but a sort of based on a true story. And you can actually find my interview on the RogersReview.com. There you go. And yeah, these were some amazing films. And there was also one other thing. Um, the co-founder of the film festival, Sheila Johnson, billionaire she just released a book um that's getting great reviews and she had a talk about her book and a book sign yeah i believe that was a politics and prose i think she has a uh, upcoming uh signing coming up for that um i believe so yeah but yeah that was great so uh a lot of belcher wasn't able to make um the middleburg film festival this year but i did get to attend the last day of the virginia film festival and Dean, the Virginia Film Festival was a very well organized event, and uh, I already talked about American Symphony, but I just have oh, to. Oh, actually, um, if I can introduce just one moment for the people yeah. who want to find the book, you are right. It is coming tomorrow, tomorrow night at um, Politics and Prose. It is Shiwa Johnson, Walk Through Fire, a memoir of love, loss, and triumph. And her co founder of the work, Susan Koch. I mean, Susan Koch will be there at the Constitution Avenue. So the main politics and pros. That's what's going to happen tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Well, where is Middleburg? Is that of Virginia, West Virginia? It's in Virginia. Uh, Middleburg is in Middleburg, Virginia. It's about oh, that's what it's outside of um, Dallas Airport, Chantilly. Okay, that's cool. Yep. Mm-hmm. And also not too, well, you know, a little further south is uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, which is this where a Virginia Film Festival took place. And uh, just to repeat of what Dean said, American Fiction was a part of that slate. That was original, not American Fiction, sorry, American Symphony. American <laughs> Symphony was the great documentary all about John Baptiste, the artist, and his wife, Salika, dealing with leukemia. And pretty much I agree with everything that Dean said. It was some fantastic tearjerker, very emotional documentary directed by Matthew Heineman. 
but for the Virginia Film Festival, we got an amazing performance um, with piano on the stage. John Baptiste was in attendance and, and did a Q&A and the performance was just brief, but just amazing. I mean, he certainly showed why he is the contemporary artist that he is today um, and deservedly a, a, a Grammy recipient multiple times oh. over. And then another movie I got to see that same day because I was only able to get the tail end of the festival was the movie May, December, which we talked about on BTB, which okay. stars Natalie Portman, Julianne Moore, and the very, very lucky Charles Melton, who got to be the love interest of both Julianne Moore. And I don't know if this is a spoiler, but eventually Natalie Portman, I guess, gets a little curious because she's an actress trying to play Julianne Moore's character who marries a much younger man. And maybe she wanted kind to kind of like woman. Star Wars uh, episode one, right? Or episode two. I guess, you know, <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> she was just babysitter in episode two so, or episode one. I mean, Queen Amidala was a lot older than, uh, than Anakin Skywalker, especially when you look at the first movie, but yes, very similarly, she's the older woman here, Charles Melton. You might know him from Riverdale who plays the husband of Julianne Moore, much younger husband of Julianne Moore. And in order to get method, she not only decides to observe Julianne Moore, she also observes Charles Melton's character, the husband, in a very, very, let's just say very intimate way. I shouldn't say any more than that, but uh, it was, um. there's just a couple cringy moments. Uh, I'm not going to lie, you know, when you're dealing with that kind of subject matter and knowing that Julianne Moore's character has a very troubled past because that's why she fell in love with this much younger man because he was not of age and uh, at the time they had met. So it's almost yeah. like a grooming situation. So maybe this is some very disturbing visuals, but um, powerful film, powerful film. That was a part of the Cannes film festival originally, but it was now part of the Virginia film festival. So there you go. That's um, I guess um, only, I only got the chance to see two films. Um, hopefully next year I'll get to see a lot more, but I was able to talk about it. And thank you. Thank you oh, so much for one film. I forgot. Okay. But I, I really want to quickly thank Virginia film festival, university of Virginia and Katie Kenny, um, the PR, um, uh, the PR person that uh, assisted and helped uh, below the belt show be a part of the Virginia film festival. And Dean, you had one more, one more. Uh... Yes. Because I would be remiss if I forgot the one film that I almost had a time to be an extra of, and it was film partially in DC. Rusty, oh. which is on Netflix, and but I think I myself and Paul were part of that. Paul, you worked on Rustin too, right? No, I didn't work on Rustin because I oh, couldn't get couldn't, the, yeah, couldn't the requirements. Get yeah, yes, uh, that was that was a great, great, awesome uh, experience to be a part of that historic scene. And, Rustin, and to see the film with Coleman Domingo, I have a feeling he's going to get some Oscar buzz for really um, best okay. actress. I felt. He really portrayed the hard role. But then again, the guy who also played Martin Luther King Jr. And Jeffrey Wright was also in this film, too. So I was like, I'm getting a Jeffrey Wright double feature at Middleburg. Jeffrey Wright again. Wow. Yeah, because he played um, one of the organizers from, um, I think it was NAACP, A. Randolph, mm -hmm. who was one of the organizers of the march. And it's great to have this um, unsung hero because if it wasn't for him, we would never have that 63 March. We would never have Martin Luther King, the I Have a Dream speech. So if it wasn't for this person, 
history would never have been made 60 years ago. And it's kind of like perfect timing that the movie is being released on the 60th anniversary of the March. It's the March itself. Wow. Wasn't that done for Obama's production company too? Yes, it was. In fact, it was the very first film under the um, President Obama's and Michelle Obama's film company banner. So it was the very first one. Which is called Higher Ground. Yes, I believe. Yeah, Higher Ground. All right. Wow. That was a nice review of two great low Virginia has got it going on, man. They got two, two big uh, film festivals with like tentpole movies, Dean, you know, we're not messing around with like tiny indies here. We're talking the big ones. So uh, kudos to to both film festivals for, for doing, uh, doing some great things. As film critics, you know, we normally have to go to Tribeca or TIFF or Sundance and tourist film festivals when we got, two of the best film festivals in our backyard. And mm-hmm. I have to give really props for Middleburg because over the years, I think I've been on the 11, seven of those years and a lot of the films that they bring to film fa- that they bring to Middleburg every single year goes on to win the Oscar, the Golden Globe or Screen Actors or all yes. three. In fact, yes. uh, one of the big, one of the big ones from last year was The Whale and yes. The Whale win everything 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 everywhere all at once was there too last year i was so happy i was so happy to be there last year paul uh i mean uh dean uh it was just yeah. it was just such a great great film festival and to meet the the one and only brendan fraser uh, cool. was was, yeah. was so cool and i met um stephanie sue who played the, the oh, yeah. villainous daughter and she did a hell of a good job oh yeah and i think that was i, a- I remember correctly yeah yeah it was great to meet her too i'm glad i got to go to that screen as well all right so those are upcoming film festivals and then we i do have a question about the oscars though i heard rumors that uh what's his name can't get one because of for Oppenheimer because they said like they didn't have a diverse enough cast or something the the main actor on Oppenheimer they said probably would have gotten Oscar, but cillian murphy cillian murphy yeah so that's a big controversy right now what does that have to do with his performance though he's not he's not eligible the, the only films that could be eligible are ones that have a diverse cast and a diverse they didn't they didn't have a diverse enough cast i apparently. don't think that's true i think that's the that 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 is that is specifically a biopic and that had to involve i, I know characters. but that, that's just that, that's the oscar rules that. for i think it's for a cast not individual if i, I remember correctly Oh, is there any for a yeah, cast? Not- okay, because I mean, I heard, I heard yeah, like I a couple of people saying, "Hey, it's a it's controversial because he should win it or at least be eligible." But they say he no, might not be yeah. because of that new rule. That might be just for the ensemble. The, I mean, but 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 you're looking at a specific point in, in American history, so maybe yeah, I know, but I mean, the, I'm, yeah, you know. but we're not the ones who made the rules. I mean, the rewards play people made the rules, so it's like they can decide whoever they want to nominate and whoever they don't want to. I nominate. don't know. I, I haven't read that, um, but uh, yeah, neither have I. Um, I don't know where you're getting your news from, Big Paul. No, I mean, I, I heard that from a couple of, I heard that from two different sources, and I think one of them okay. was The Hollywood Reporter. Maybe I read someplace else, too. Okay. All right, but we'll, uh, let's talk about some other films that are in production. Um, now, of course, with the actor strike, there's only certain films that can um, go on production yet. I mean, obviously, Constantine's... I don't think there should be any, to be honest with you, with the strike, because it's kind of yeah. unfair to, like, the well, just get roles, and then everybody else suffers. And they're... Well, well, so so Constantine has uh, already been um, greenlit for a sequel, but there's no script yeah. ready. So the the script does not exist. But the original 
director of the first Constantine movie, Francis Lawrence, will be set to return along with Keanu Reeves for the sequel. So yeah. they're basically just confirming that the movie will be returning. Constantine 2, that is, the sequel, will be returning. Um, of course, now... The only thing weird to... was, shouldn't he have blonde hair? Because that, that was that always... Was... A... Because he never had fond hair in the first one, so it's like that's yeah. I, I I guess they should follow through with that and do do the same hairstyle. Why not? You know, I mean, if he did that for the first film, I I would imagine that the second film would make sense as well. Um, I never got into this horror film called It Follows, um, but it's they're basically confirming uh, a sequel called They Follow, which stars oh, right. actress Jay Height, who uh, as a young woman after having sex with her boyfriend for the first time learns that she will now be hunted by a mysterious entity and the only way to to stave off death is to pass on to the curse of someone else who will become the next on the list followed by the entity it follows so whoever she bangs yeah. it's gonna follow <laughs> that's kind of crazy i don't know <laughs> I mean, whatever, do whatever it takes to get the. I mean, I think that was a remake of a China, uh, Japanese movie, but I, I don't like the original. It follows. So, I mean, I, yeah, there's that... some weird stuff in Japan. So. <laughs> Stop being a slut, girl. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> no, no, what if, what if, what if it's a porn star? I mean, then, then how does it work? Does it just follow a bunch ooh, of porn stars? When, then, then you have a lot of, uh, yeah, then you can be followed by a whole bunch of them. I don't know. Uh, let's see, Jackie Chan. Wow, he's still working at sixty-nine years old, still doing action films. He's still doing his and, own stunts, and I think he's still doing his own stunts. Who knows? But he's got a a comedy flick centered on baby pandas called uh, Ride On, and uh, it's directed by Chinese filmmaker Zhang Luan. Uh, so that was obviously. I don't think that falls under anything. Is, is that is that movie. anime or is that that might be anime if it's following? Baby it's Panda. it's live action, but it's just yeah. the fact that it's a Chinese um, producer. Yeah, anything ever seen? Well, did you see? Speaking of that, did you see C CBS is like trying to screw over the actors in the U.S. They have NCIS Australia and they have like another uh, Ghost England or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So going the kid. So you're, you're like, we don't care. We're going to put out fall season overseas so we don't have to pay deal with the actor strike. And they can still continue to shoot. You're right. Um, well, let's, th let's throw out a couple uh, things going on in Disney. <laughs> Disney Plus. I know that... Uh, it's getting Dark worse Paul and Ross. worse. I know you love it, but there's a third... Uh, speaking of Disney Plus, did anybody watch the South Park special? I was going to get to that a little later, Paul. Can we hold off on that one? I can't hold under, off on that one. That's, that one's under uh, Paramount. Uh, but I know, I but it has to do with Disney. If you don't mind, I want to throw this out really quick. Uh, right. Disney confirmed there's going to be a third Hocus Pocus movie in development. Now, a lot of people didn't like the second Hocus Pocus film, but screenwriter Jen D'Angelo has confirmed that the story is still in, in, is still in development. So they're, they're on the story phase right now, and they're working out some ideas. But you will see a third film. Also, well, Chucky going to be excited about that one because he hated the second <laughs> one so Chucky much, right? Was, he was not a fan of the second film. No. He loved the first film. He lives and breathes the first film, but was not a fan of the second film. Um, so Daredevil uh, gets the news on Daredevil board again. So as you know, they've had a lot of uh, woes. Uh, apparently, they didn't like the initial episodes that they already shot, and they wanted to go in a different Oh, direction. nine of them. They shot nine episodes. That's right. Um, and uh, 
Apparently, they're going undergoing a major creative overhaul. Uh, and um, now they found their new creative team. Um, Dario Scardapan, who wrote and executive produced The Punisher on Netflix, will serve well, as a showrunner. more competent. Yeah, well, you know, um, if you like The Punisher, you might like it, the yeah. fact that he's well, I mean, it's the same universe. So at, least, at least he's competent with the material instead yeah. of being like, super yeah i don't know like overwoke with everything and from what i understand what would happen is they want to kill daredevil off he he would do nothing until the fourth episode and then he puts on the suit and then they would kill him off real fast and then put like a female as daredevil which nobody liked <laughs> i'm not dude i think you're reading a news from some crazy like ultra no, i've heard thing. that from two different sources so it's like, i that's... don't know about that dude yeah, we may I don't know where your you're. Yeah, you might want to check your sources there. We don't want to spread uh, false. I mean, uh, as I said, that's just what news. I heard. So it's like maybe, maybe okay, that's fair. That's fair, but make check double check your sources. Something fact, definitely had to have happened to, to throw away nine episodes. So like, right. it was definitely bad was, enough to throw yeah, away nine episodes. Well, just blame it on Chris and Matt, Chris Ord and Matt Corman. So they exited the show amid amid the uh, creative hall creative overhaul but they're still they'll still be credited as executive producers i think i think when you fire somebody you still have to do that because they worked on it originally well they said some elements of the already shot um episodes will be used going forward but they're i guess they weren't happy and marvel's going to take the show in a new creative direction so again this is still have to wait for the uh the actor strike yep. to uh yep the ends uh to do uh well, i mean it gives them time to write that. and then rewrite everything that need that need to be re rewritten or just go by the original mm -hmm. story and just kind of yeah and then we I mean, the character was written that that's a sad thing there was a character with a backstory that had a good lore that everybody liked on netflix and they could have e easily just shoehorned that in there and been fine you know what i mean it's so easy to do i mean like Anybody who's halfway confident could do that. Instead, they had to try to make it their own and mess it up. All right. Well, is anyone watching Loki season two? No, I haven't seen it, yet. it. Yes, you haven't seen it yet. Dean has seen it. Yes. Did you watch the yeah, most I recent episode it. four? I didn't get a chance to see the most recent episodes on my playlist for okay. tonight. Okay. Okay. So I won't get into spoiler territory, night? but uh, it was a fantastic episode. Oh. And. Um, yeah, I mean, you kind of, you kind of feel for the Victor Timely character because I mean, obviously Kang is the major villain that's going to be, um, you know, the, the major antagonist, like the Thanos of this uh, phase of Marvel Yeah. in Loki, the Victor Timely character, um, you know, he's, he's a little bit likable. He's a little likable. So, uh, yeah, I think it's slowly, but surely, slowly, but surely. Yeah, but I think it's a very interesting um, story arc because, you know, this, even though he is um, a variant, he has a very, very different personality than He Who Remains and the other versions that we saw in Ant-Man 3 of uh, Jonathan Majors. Mm -hmm. Of course, we do have to see what's going on with Jonathan Majors with his domestic uh, charges. He's got court coming up, I believe. And uh, Yeah, he does have a couple of court. I, yeah, I have a couple of court cases, I think, later next month even though next month is technically in the next few hours but yeah he's got yeah. Some now, now if he gets convicted up, what so... happens do they, do they have to scrap him and then Ooh. go with somebody else or... man that's a tough one i don't know how they're gonna handle that 
I mean, if they if knowing Marvel and probably what Disney no um the Disney World did with Harry Potter when Johnny Depp had his issues, most likely they're right. probably going to recast the character. Wow, but wow. that could be or you know something could be different. We never know. We'll have to see how this plays out. They're going to have to wait for we the trial. We Johnny Depp because Johnny Depp redeemed himself. Well, that's the thing. Johnny they're, Depp. Had... I have a feeling it's not going to be Johnny Depp. Definitely not. Well, they, they, well, Johnny Depp had another trial, which he won. Yeah. But yet he's, he had already been canceled from, from Disney, uh, or yeah. not from Disney, from, from the Harry Potter universe uh, for his Grindel. No, and, and, uh, and I think, what's he called, too? Pirates of the Caribbean, too. And they kind of canceled him from Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, they haven't gone to production, so there's still a chance that he could return to that. But, uh, but you know, Loki Loki's a really good show, man. I'm really, really liking the cast. I think uh, seeing Kei Huan uh, in, a, in a really, like, the strong role as, as this uh, mm. just brilliant scientist, OB, and, uh, you know, uh, Sylvie, the actress plays Sylvie's brilliant, and Owen Wilson's fantastic. And uh, even... You know, the, the, see, that was one of the few Disney movies I liked this year. Is the, the Haunted Mansion, which I think is coming back to theaters because it should be in theaters for Halloween, not when, when did it come out? January or it came out some weird month, February maybe. It came out a few months ago. Yeah, yeah, it came out like early. This it year. came out way too yeah. early. It's already in Disney Plus. I doubt it. I mean, they'll make an exception for like Oppenheimer because of the 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 IMAX run, but, but it's I, called I the Haunted Mansion. If you're gonna put a Haunted Mansion movie, I put it on Halloween. It's like that's right <laughs> or at least like even a week after halloween is fine but it's yeah. like it took sense when they put it out that's that that's that's completely fair um i still you know one netflix movie moving on to netflix really quick old dads i need to see old dads um bill bear is great obviously he's in the mandalorian and he's a fantastic comedian he, he really tells it like it is i have a feeling you're you're a fan of him as well paul but uh yeah, he does a good this, job yeah, for the second week in a row, the number one uh, movie on Netflix. And Paul, I will reiterate, 16.3 million views. No, Netflix does. And I don't know track. if you know this. I don't know if you know this out, but this is Bill Burr's directorial debut. Oh, this is the directorial debut as well. Okay. Yes. So now the total views of Old Dads is 29.6 million in the past 10 days. So that's, that's pretty good. Pretty impressive. And following up at number two is Emily Blunt and Chris Evans' drama Pain Hustlers with uh, 14.1 million. And then a new a movie that I'm excited to see that now that's now on Netflix is uh, Jennifer Lawrence's No Hard Feelings. 13.1 million views. Oh, you didn't and see it in theaters? I saw it in theaters. I need to see it. Um, I'm a big fan of it, Jennifer it, it, Lawrence. It, 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 the premise is a little cringy if they think about it, but I mean... He's like, yeah, seducing a teenage boy, but I yeah. heard she's got another full frontal nudity scene in this. Oh, movie. she it was great full frontal. She had a full not frontal uh, nude nudity fight scene. If I, I know, I, that's what I hear. Well, aside from that, um, the young actor, um, mm -hmm. who plays the love interest, he actually was in D.C. during the summer, and he actually participated in Rent the Concert Live, and he did a pretty good performances as um. Wow. One of the characters rent. And accomplished stage was, actor. Yeah, and he actually um met some of the fans after the show. Very friendly, cool guy. Very cool guy. Very cool. All right. 
Uh, and then the number four and five is Liam Neeson and Lauren Dern's action thriller Cold Pursuit. That's an old movie. That's, you know, that was a good movie, though. Did you ever yeah. see that movie? I think, I do you know what it. hurt that movie? Because remember when Liam Neeson said, like, uh, back in the day, like, he chased down some guy or something, like, because he thought they killed somebody or something. And they, they viewed it as, like, a racial thing. And, uh, and he was kind of canceled when that movie came out. But I watched that movie. It's really good. It's kind of like it gives you the Quentin Tarantino type Fargo type of feel to it. If you never okay. saw. It. So okay. it's like more or less it's it's broke up in chapters where he goes out. Hunting people who wrong. I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but. I mean, it is a movie from 2019. And it's interesting that the fifth film on Netflix is Chipmunks Chipwrecked. And that came out in that's 2011. So God, that's not a movie really? too. Yeah, that, that's a top five yeah, Netflix movies. Number five. Number five is Alvin and the Chipmunks Chipwreck. Can you believe I mean, that? Cold shit? Pursuit, I could see because wow. not many people saw Cold Pursuit. I think I was one of the few people who actually saw it. But so yeah. that's the thing. Netflix yeah, will bring back. I mean, that, that makes no sense. Well, but I get, I'm guessing the reason why it's so um, highly viewed is because it dropped on Netflix recently when it had not been okay. streaming at all. That's that's my guess. I mean. I mean, I guess if um, parents want, like, if parents have kids, they might be like, "Hey, that's a good movie yeah. for my kid to watch while I'm like doing some housework or something." <laughs> right. And on the television side of Netflix, the UK multi timeline series Bodies, the most watched series of the week, seven point seven million views. And then you have the true crime DACA series Get Gotti in second place with seven point three million views. Then they haven't. Netflix is big on the docu series. The third uh, show is. Um, Called Life on Our Planet, which is a natural history docuseries. 5.5 oh. million views. Coming up on fourth place is Mike Flanagan from Towson University's own uh, with uh, The Fall of the House of Usher with fourth place and 4.2 million. And then the Beckham um, docuseries in fifth place with 4 million views. David Beckham, very popular. And... Uh, I hear, I hear that's a great docuseries as well. So I still cannot believe um, Fisher Stevens was involved with that when I saw him on um, really? Late Show. We were promoting that. It's like, I cannot believe this is the same guy who was in Hackers and Short Circuit. Oh my gosh. And he's involved. involved like as a producer of this uh, Beckham series? I believe series? he's the producer, but let me double check real. Wow, that's <laughs> that's kind of funny to hear. That See, I re- a- actually, I remember him from Short Circuit back in the day. I mean, yeah. Same Although I think like, he would be canceled for that now because wasn't he playing like the Indian guy in short circuit? <laughs> yeah, he did. And he said if they were to do it again, he would never do it again. Yeah. So some people have, have regret. You know, and um, Al, he was the director. He was the oh, director was of oh, that yeah. series. So there you go. It's amazing. What, I mean, look at Robert Duncan McNeil, who was a fixture on, on Star Trek uh, uh, Voyager, yeah, right? Shame on you for not hurting. Yeah, Robert Duncan he played Tom yeah. Harris on Voyager. Before that, his character yeah. was based on Nicholas, Nicholas McCarno in the first duty of Next Generation. And he actually went to um, director school during Voyager and he started directing their episodes. And actually, I interviewed him earlier this year before um, Shirley. And yep. he talked about this amazing television career as director, especially being the executive producer of Chuck, which was one of my favorite series back in oh, twenty ten. And he is still directing lots of series and even giving his take on the writer. I know top. it's amazing. It's amazing how he transitioned from 
actor to director. And I guess we'll mm -hmm. uh, throw out one more um, thing before we uh, take a midpoint break and say goodbye to Dean on the scene, Rogers. Let's, let's talk about some Paramount Plus stuff. So uh, Paramount Plus, uh, actually, there's a really good um, film that was a part of the Telluride Film Festival that's going to drop on Paramount. It stars Tommy Lee Jones and also stars um, Jenna Ortega, Ben Foster, Toby Wallace. And... Um, Basically, it's just a family drama about um, a father and his fishing boat. Um, and apparently they want to take a risk and take their boat out to embark in more dangerous waters to, I guess, you know, fish more and, and get more fish. Yeah. And in doing so, there's a lot of like family drama and, and turmoil within that. Um, and then Wednesday, they, Adam shows up on the boat, right? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, Jenna Ortega plays a love yep. interest of, of the younger son. Oh, that's uh, cool. Of Toby Wallace. Yeah. And, and Ben Foster, I believe, plays the older brother of the two brothers. And of course, Tommy Lee Jones is the patriarch. I'm surprised uh, he's still acting because I thought he was, uh, he said he was going to retire, but I guess, I guess not. You know what? If you see, he's such a great actor. I mean, but I mean, as I said, I, I just thought he said he was done with acting. As, as long as your health is okay, I really don't think yeah. you there. I mean, as long as you're proud of your work, I mean, I feel I feel yeah. an actor's work. But then again, look at Eastwood. Eastwood's more like MS. Isn't Eastwood like in his nineties? He's in his nineties, still directing. But then you have cases like Bruce Willis, where you're forced to retire because you know he's yeah. got the dementia going on, and obviously for different reasons, right? Also, well, actually, did you hear about the rumor about Hemsworth? Hemsworth said he he's thinking about quitting acting because he has like some kind of genetic uh, thing where he'll, he'll get it. Huh? Oh, Dean, what did you say? I said Chris which Hemsworth? Hemsworth. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I don't know. He said that it was in his. It runs in his family, right? I think that's yeah. what he said. He, that he specifically yeah, he said it's some kind of genetic thing that that like he right. knows by a certain age he'll get it. So. Right, but 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 he specifically is not suffering anything right now. No, not yet. But he he is talking about retiring young because he wants to live his life mm. and not. Yeah, and then a trailer just dropped for Good Burger too, and uh, it's kind of like what's uh part of the trailer kind of showcased something that a lot of actors are 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 being uh um threatened by, and that's AI or, or robots, and they show how robots are building the burgers now, putting the Good Burger boys on notice. You know? Uh, and that's uh, of course Keenan Thompson and Cal Mitchell who um reunite for this film. Um man, this film came out in 1997, this first film, and now they're they're doing a they're doing a sequel yeah. so many years later of Good Burger, but uh nonetheless, you know, I'm gonna watch it. I, I'm a big fan of uh of Keenan Thompson. And, well, what happened uh, to Kel? I mean, he was gone for a long while. Was did he just not want to act for a little while? Or well, Kel was like hosting. Uh, I think he was hosting Ridiculousness and oh, okay. things on MTV, and he was still. And he got married active. too. Married. And he got married as well. So, oh, did he? Okay. And he's also uh, been doing the convention circuit. Um, yep. I know he did Awesome Con one year. He did Nineties Con a couple times. So he's he's doing quite well for himself. There you oh, go. Okay. There you go. And in and fact, the crazy thing about that, I remember it, that um, 90s Con this past um, March, while he was talking about it, Keenan Thompson actually came up uninvited. He just came up to support Kel and talked about Good Burger too. 
Oh, that's cool. Amazing. Yeah, wow. and he actually reunited with some of the all that cast because Roy Beth Denberg was also there and a couple other cast members. So oh, really? he just came by surprise. I mean, it wasn't a, I guess he was never announced. And I think he did something in DC that same weekend. I forgot. That's, um, that's oh, no, no, no. It's the, um, it was the Mark Twain Prize that same weekend. So oh, okay. he came up and surprised everyone. And for those lucky people, they actually got a photo op with the Nickelodeon cast with Keenan Thompson. So it's oh, that's really cool. See, Keenan Thompson is awesome. the only good person on Saturday Night Live right now. I mean, he's, uh, he just, I don't know. Everybody else just seems to just kind of not have their own thing, he's, but he has he's his own the thing. Veteran. He, yeah. He's the veteran. Yeah, he's been there forever. And he's the longest one right now. I think he's the longest tenured his... cast member. Yeah. And then one more thing before we take a classic cut break, Paramount Plus uh, is now um, canceling shows, including Fatal Attraction, which is a reboot, and also Kiefer Sutherland's new series, Rabbit Hole. Both shows ran for only one season, but will remain on the platform um, and not pulled. Yeah, I did hear Rabbit Hole was going to originally film in D.C. and they moved it to New York because Kiefer Sutherland didn't want to Oh, that's a shame. And we can add um, one one more show to that because according to Variety, as of 6.31 today, Joe Pickett was canceled after two seasons. Yep, there you go. Yeah, after two seasons. So, Well, hopefully hopefully Uh, Linus doesn't get canceled or uh, mm -hmm. the mayor of Kingstown. Yep, and of course, Billions, they just ended their series finale um as you know that um the one only damian lewis um returned as axelrod uh to the cast to uh as a proper send-off for for that series so we'll come back i know that uh big paul wants to talk a little bit about south park special (laughs) uh what's it called joining you can talk about it too uh dean sadly has to go unless dean wants to stay but we should probably Duty calls and I got to answer it. So I got a blast. Well, off. Dean, it, it was <laughs> so, so awesome to have you. And we're going to end tonight. Or sorry, not tonight. And we're going to take a classic cut break. And of course, we've got to play a Halloween song, right? For the classic cut. And you know what? I don't know why I haven't played this song as a classic cut before because it's so iconic. It's so iconic. And it's uh, the one and only Bobby Boris Pickett behind monster mash so <laughs> okay so that is so uh put the so yeah go ahead and take your awesome uh breaks uh drink break bathroom okay. break smoke break cook break and uh we'll play this amazing amazing um iconic halloween song followed by two more interviews from the amazing new york comic-con with we'll start with this one He's a writer of many Marvel comic books, Star Wars comic books, conducted by BTB's own Mike the General Zod, Jason Aaron. Wow, Jason Aaron, um, iconic uh, Marvel comic writer. Um, and we'll listen to that, and be, we'll be right back right after that. I see you. All right. Um, goodbye, Dean. And oh, we're also saying goodbye to Dean Rogers. So thank you, Dean, for joining us. Well, um, for those call me everywhere. The Rogers We're going to have a couple more interviews coming up from Middlebrook Film Festival. And also, I'll give you my take on the Maryland Toy Expo that's happening this oh, nice. Saturday, which not one, but two American gladiators will be there Ice Ice Baby, Lori Fetrick, and 
the longest running gladiator, Jim Stark, aka Laser. And also, I'll be traveling to West Virginia for the first time for Wheel of Fortune Live, hosting by Mark L. Wahlberg of Temptation Island fame. So we got more stories coming up and a whole lot more. And in addition, one more thing. Um, I just got confirmed that I'll be interviewing one of the animatronic experts from Five Nights at Freddy. So that oh, interview cool. will also be coming. So right. check us out anytime, online anytime at therogersreview.com. And oh my God, hey, this, I'm leaving. <laughs> All right, Dean. Well, thank you so much. And we will uh, we'll catch up with you soon. All right, see you guys later. All right. And suddenly, to my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match. Hey there, this is Mike the General Zod here with Below the Belt Show here at New York Comic Con. And we always get the greatest creators for for the show. And today I am with Jason Aaron. How's it going? Yeah, Jason, for those of you who aren't familiar, came up with so many of the concepts that you've seen in the Thor movies, like uh, Gore the God Butcher, one of the greatest characters and one of the best, I mean, one of my favorite Marvel storylines of the 20th, uh, 21st century. And um, the uh, J- Jane Foster is Thor and all sorts of great stuff like that. Right. First thing I wanted to ask you is, how are you liking the convention? Great. It was my first time back here since, you know, 2019, which might as well have been 100 years ago, right? So it's, um, <laughs> it's good to be back. This, uh, I don't think I've ever been to a convention with this many creators. I feel like everyone in comics is here. So clearly this week there have been no comics being made anywhere on the planet. <laughs> like all of comics is shut down yeah. for this week. <laughs> that is funny. That's like a, the you know you'd think there'd be like some kind of designated survivor or comic book creator somewhere. Whoever they are, like they, if this you know if anything happens, they will inherit all of comics. <laughs> so um, why don't you, uh, if possible, like uh, tell uh, tell our uh, tell our viewers and listeners uh, about some of the stuff that you've been exceptionally proud of. I mean, you know, like I, I feel like I'm proud of pretty much everything I've done. I've, I've always been I'm fortunate. I've been able to just work on stuff that I wanted to do, that I'm passionate about. Work with some of the most amazing artists uh, from around the globe. You know, I did seven years of of four. Um, I then just got off of uh, Avengers, which was kind of the end of my. 15-year stint doing ongoing books for uh, Marvel uh-huh. um, at the end of my exclusive period to them. So I'm still working on a couple of things for Marvel. It's not like I'm you know, done completely with Marvel, but definitely feels like I've kind of turned a corner and entered a new phase of my career. So I'm doing DC stuff for the first time. Uh-huh. We already announced Batman Offworld, which comes out in uh, November, and then... This weekend we announced that I'm doing some issues of Action Comics. It'll start in January. Um, I think you'll see me doing a lot of new stuff next year. Like I'm working on a lot of stuff right now that, that will start to be announced pretty soon. 
for a lot of different companies. So it is a, it's a, a I was sitting down the other day just like listing like the, the characters I'm getting to work on right now at the same time. It is such an insane <laughs> variety and mix. Yeah. I feel like I don't think anybody's ever written all these characters at the same time. <laughs> that is true. Um, are, are you still, uh, is any of that stuff, are you doing any uh, creator-owned stuff right now? I am, yeah. I got Once Upon a Time at the End of the World. It's coming out from Boom right now. Fantastic book. I'm really liking Thanks. that book a lot. I think issue 10 is about to come out. I think uh-huh. it comes out next week or week after. Um, and that, that'll be 15 issues. So we're, we're just now hitting the end of book two. And... Um, second trade, first trade's already out. Second trade, I think, comes out in January. Uh, and other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm working on some new creator-owned stuff. Uh, just nothing, nothing we can talk about yet, just yet. But okay, you'll be, but you'll be seeing it next year. <laughs> okay, for those who aren't familiar, um, the uh, Once Upon a Time, The End of the World is this amazing book about like a kind of uh, an escapee from like this like. It's after like a holocaust, I mean a uh, an apocalypse, and it's like an, about an escapee from like a an insane like Girl Scout or like kind of yeah they're like nature they're scout like troop. preppers slash yeah. like yeah like Boy Scouts yeah, yeah. and um, it's 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 an insanely fun book so be sure to get out especially because it's creator owned so he gets uh, he gets the bigger bigger chunk of the sales am I right? Well, I mean, sure. I mean, it's not as quite as simple as that. It's just a, it's a book. It's a book that's deeply personal for me. Um, it's a it's a strange book, and that it you know it's 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 a story that starts about kids, but it's absolutely not a kid story. Mm-hmm. It is a love story, though, right? It is, but it's also a story about love and a time of ruin, you know, right. and, and what that means. And so the second arc is radically different from the first arc, you know, completely different creative team, takes some big turns and has big surprises. And the third arc will, will do the same thing again. It'll go in a, in a radically different, different direction. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. And uh, besides that, you can like you know like like he said, Batman Offworld, Action Comics. You've got uh, a lot of his back catalog with Thor. Again, amazing Thor stories. He had this huge epic storyline in Avengers that spanned multiverses and times. And yeah, he had a. Well, I mean, like, uh, I love some of the, like, truly insane ideas you had your Avengers run, like, turning a Celestial into Deathlock. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a book that was meant to be as big as we could possibly make it. Uh-huh. You know, every, every arc, you know, meant to seem like an event-level threat. Um, yeah. Something worthy of having the Avengers show up. Let alone, you know, the cast of Avengers in the book got bigger and bigger and bigger as the book went along. So at the end, you know, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of Avengers teaming up to, to fight the final threat. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time um, to, uh, to talk to us today. I mean, if possible, could you just uh, give us a little promo where you just introduce yourself, say, you know, who you are, say you're listening and watching Below the Belt show, and, um, I don't know, make a joke or insult us or do a, give a little bomb of, of some sort? Uh, it's, it's Sunday, so I don't know how many jokes I've got in. <laughs> so, 
Sure. Hey, hey, this is Jason Aaron, writer of Thor and The Avengers and Punisher and lots and lots of other things, and you're listening to Below the Belt Show. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, that was a monster mash. And of course, uh, General Zod's interview with Marvel Comics writer Jason Aaron, uh, which was a great interview uh, as we are uh, playing our great interviews from New York Comic Con. Um, all right. Well, um, now, Paul, I, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the Paramount, uh, Paramount Plus South Park. <laughs> special it's a 47 minute it's, special. it's actually part one because they decided to do three of them now just to piss disney off even more yeah. are they doing three wow They're so, doing it's three called, more, yeah. so it's called joining the pandaverse and basically south park is making fun of disney for their their box office slump of uh, recycling the same ideas except with diverse casting taking aim, aim at uh, kathleen kennedy knocking the online trolls who have piled on uh on the executive in recent years and et cetera, et cetera. Um, Paul, have you seen it yet? Have you seen the special? I saw it was, it was pretty good. It was done well. I mean, it kind of hits on everything everybody's been saying for the past five years about what's going on with Disney. <laughs> and they're just, um, they're just not afraid to show it, I guess, because uh, I guess some yeah. folks, it's, it's kind of uh, interesting because you can only see some of these reactions on YouTube shows, but, South Park is such a huge show and and, and fandom that they're really. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, the South Park that they're probably one of the few comedy, uh, true comedy things that's out there that's not afraid of getting canceled because everybody else is afraid of getting canceled nowadays. You know what I mean? They don't I care. They're picking on both sides. I agree with that. And it's amazing how they're immune to it. Yeah, you know. I, think I, think, I mean, they, they, they Disney tried to sue them to shut them down, but it didn't work. Yeah. But, I think they they succeed because they can make their episodes so quickly. If that yeah. had to go through a ton of like censors and and like a, a um what's the phrase where they have to go through like the, the, the executives and stuff, yeah, yeah. They, like if they had to go through all the hoops that normal TV does, they probably wouldn't get yes. it. But since yeah. I, I watched something that they said when they first started making a sh- uh, the show with all the stop motion, it would take like a month to make an episode. Oh, now, yeah, because they were cutting all the pieces days. and everything. That's now crazy. Wow. Like three days because it's all thrown on the computer and they can just edit everything without actually needing yeah. any actual stop motion. So the four friends, Cartman, Eric, Eric Cartman, and, and Kenny, and, and the other, and the, the other, the Stan. other two characters, Stan, yeah. Are they, and Tyler, uh, Butters, Butters was on there too. So Butters was one. Also. Okay. So they're all now women of color. They come back as women of color characters. Is that correct? Yeah. <laughs> And Kathleen oh, Kennedy has a big part in that too. So they really cut in Kathleen Kennedy most of the episode. <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think I'm going to have to tune into it. Well, and do you know what the, the creators actually said this? They said going into n- next year, Mickey Mouse is free game because the, uh, I mean, he's, uh, he's, uh, what do you call it? Uh, his, uh, what is it called? Public domain's out there. So yeah. So they're going to really go on Mickey Mouse next year too. All of that stuff is public domain next year. Yeah. Interesting. So Cartman actually meets Kathleen Kennedy in the special and points uh, out the overwhelming amount of backlash she received for her her well-intentioned efforts. And then, of of course, there's all the hate mail, and they talk about the hate mail that Kathleen Kennedy has received, etc. 
Um, and then carbon emits. Well, I'm sorry, I wrote all those letters. I guess I just, I guess I just railing on woke stuff all the time is pretty lazy too. And then, <laughs> and then you have Gina Carano, who, as you know, was famously fired from. Uh, oh, here we got my buddy Art Hall joining. Gina Carano okay. was famously fired from The Mandalorian after a series of online statements. Use that episode to slam Kathleen Kennedy. This I heard rumors where... that they wanted her back and she turned it down, which I, was, I have to give her credit because she that's a lot of money. Really? Because they were trying to fix. I think they were trying to do a PR thing, like by bringing her back, being like, oh, we forgive her. We're, we're going to try to do well and we're going to not pander as much. And and yeah. Gina Carano was like, I want nothing to do with you guys again. So didn't... wow, that, not exactly the same situation, but wasn't that kind of what happened with Robin Williams? Like he told yeah, them yeah, to w, something yeah, specific. They, and didn't they, they buy him something stupid or something like a, a a Van Gogh or something to try to get him to come back? And he was like, I'm not coming back. Well, it was they they he had strictly told them not to use him in I think marketing, like his yeah. face. And mm-hmm. um they did it anyways, and he was like, I'll never work with you people again. We got someone else on uh joining us tonight on it our looks special like a Halloween. That's right. What did the fox say? That's a really say? good costume there. Wow, That's my costume. Dude. I'm a fox. Oh my god, that is crazy. I didn't even think you could do that. I am a fox in a hoodie. That's what I do. Oh my god. If you what had space the... behind you, you could be Star Fox. What does the, <laughs> what idea. Does the fox say? Damn it, why didn't what I think does... of that? <laughs> what does the fox say? My god. My buddy Art Hall, podcaster from That Was Disappointing. Um, you know what I thought would be really funny, Art, since you're joining us uh, for the second half of BTB. I know you're not a wrestling fan, but I'm curious as a non-wrestling fan when we do our predictions. Oh, yeah. If, if you would guess <laughs> the winner of each match, is, which is the segment we do for the WWE pay-per-views. And this one's going to take place in Saudi Arabia. You might you could look up the photos or whatever, but I think it would be fun to have for the first time a non-wrestling fan making the picks with us. I, th- I thought that would be kind of cool, fun. Man. She was going to yeah. have it. He's going to win every one. He's going to win. That's that's what usually happens. He could he could beat you, Paul. He could beat um, the brainmaker Mike Doherty, who emailed his picks to us. But uh, we're going to get into that a little shortly. But um, just to fill you in, Fox uh, Art Hall, our buddy, uh, talking about the um, Welcome to the Panderverse uh, South Park special. Where oh yeah, I want to watch that. It looks so funny. It looks so funny. We're talking great. about. <laughs> I mean, just seeing the. Um... The, the banner photo, I, I picked up on exactly. I didn't have to read anything about it. I knew exactly what it was going to be about. And I think it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> I they're always so sharp at that that commentary. So Yes, and they're kind of immune to, to cancellation or anything like that. Kathleen so. Kennedy is a big part of that episode. I yes. heard they really go after her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they do. Yep, she's a very big, big part of it. And as we were alluding earlier, Gina Carano apparently used the episode as an opportunity to slam Kathleen Kenny. And she actually wrote on the, uh, on X, formerly Twitter. This is the part where Kenny demands any YouTubers get censored off of YouTube for sharing and laughing at this hilarious episode. And then she'll have to disable the thumbs down option because of the ratio <laughs> she'll receive. And then her publicist schools will make sure that variety and Hollywood reporter hit run hit pieces about the South Park creators and, and their families and smearing their names and blah, blah, blah. Wow. Gina Carano does not hold back. Yeah, Holy. she doesn't. 
Wow. Doesn't have anything to lose either. I was going to say, when you got nothing to lose, who gives a shit? You can say whatever you want. You know, you can go to the <laughs> nuclear option if you've essentially been just like banished. Ed, so whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That is crazy. So, so that's Paramount Plus. Um, just a couple TV things left. Um, we got Captain Nemo origin story, uh, which is called Nautilus. Apparently, it was originally supposed to, it's supposed to be on Disney Plus, but apparently they didn't go forward with it. With it, and now it's going to be on AMC. Uh-huh. See, yes. I, I always thought there should like watching like Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. I was like, that really yes. would be a good like TV show, or even like what was that a movie with Sean Connery? Um, Remember Red, Red October? The Colton. Hello. Hi. It's a Halloween. It's, so we find it ironic that's a Halloween episode and the amateurs are dressed up, but the professional cosplayers. Right? Uh-huh. Like I said. Wait a second. Look at Art's outfit. Art has the best outfit here. I know. Art, Art has the best. He took that's CG right. to another. Took CG to another level. It's crazy. It adorable. Thank you. I, I don't really look it in real life. So this is honestly the much better route. Oh, is that the better route? <laughs> well, otherwise I looked like that cartoon up there and nobody wants to see that. So Joe Colton is jealous gonna... of the fox. <laughs> yes. Joe, are you gonna do AI? That's what it is. Joe, are you gonna do your pay-per-view picks with us? Oh, I haven't like seen anything because of the baby. So I feel like I'd be like guess. Hey, I haven't seen anything either, but I'm still going to make picks, and I guarantee I'm going to make them all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> no, this is I our first. You guys do it. Okay. The expert over here. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah. Joe Colton, what does this cosplayer do on Halloween? Because you're always, you're always dressed so amazingly at all these cons that is Halloween just kind of like take a back seat to all these cons? Um, so for Halloween, I tend to do like a ton of shoots beforehand and like try the scary or the creepy or the the sultry and then like okay. So I'm busy and then like Halloween day, I'm like oh my god, just like start posting things. <laughs> <laughs> now that we have Let's a post- baby, Halloween is going to be all about like the, the baby. The baby up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So and I'm Fox... guessing you're gonna be the Mandalorian and the baby's gonna be Baby Yoda, right? Um probably not. Uh I probably <laughs> prefer to be Luke. Um Okay, that would work. But like with like Star Lord and like dressing the baby up as Rocket. That would be oh, cute. That's a good idea. That'd be adorable. Yeah. Uh obviously she's going to be Siri and I'll be the Witcher. And there you go. Yes. Yeah. So we have Fox... ideas. Fox is a dad too. Did you dress up a uh, baby Fox uh, this year? Uh, yeah, well, he had a couple different outfits. Uh, when he went to work for our um, our work Halloween party, we all dressed like South American gauchos. So it was uh, he was wearing the outfit that I wore when I was his age. Nice. So he wore a 40 year old costume. It was super cute. See, uh, back then you wouldn't get canceled, right? Well, actually, I am half Brazilian, so I could have, I, I was oh, okay. allowed. he's the one he's the one who's a quarter so he's the one who's a little bit on the on the edge you know on the edge uh but uh yeah as we did that and and that was super cute and then tonight we just put him in some fireman pjs and put him in his little car and pretended he was a fire inspector going from house to house uh taking bribes to uh not you know file a report that they are clearly in code violation so you mean he wasn't captain bill (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, Fire Marshal Bill, I thought about it. I, mean, I was Fire like, Marshall Bill. 
if I would have had a little bit more time, then I probably would have tried to do like a little bald cap or something on him. But no, we just put him in jam jams, made it easy. First time we walked around the neighborhood because he was a little too young last year. And this place was fucking hopping. It was, it was crazy. So it was cool. Oh. We had a oh. treat us for the first time in six years. So we were like, uh, we were so unprepared. Didn't have oh, any. yeah. <laughs> At least none I was willing to part with. There you go. <laughs> yeah. What's yeah, it's interesting having a uh, a podcast on Halloween night because most folks are, are parents. A lot of folks are parents now, and they just do their trick or treating with their kids, and they're they're calling it a day. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just put her to bed. So, oh, uh, she in her skeleton onesie. Uh no, she was in stripes. She's in stripes. Last night she had she a skeleton <laughs> onesie with like um candy corn printed. <laughs> <laughs> nice and then she was a dragon for a halloween party we went to and then the following day we dressed her up as a duckling oh she's she's gonna have the most elaborate amazing costumes you have to oh, can only, yes. Can only yes she imagine. is yes <laughs> i bet you by age five she's gonna be over it yeah she'd be like why are we doing this again <laughs> that is a lot of fun so, uh, uh, Joe, you're hanging out with us for a little bit. No, I'm gonna let you guys go because I want oh, to go. He is asleep. Okay, uh, so well, I can sleep too. But I wanted to well, say hap- hello. Happy Halloween! Happy and Halloween! Happy Thanks Halloween. for saying hi. Yeah. Next time I will join you guys and, and have my picks ready. I'll All do- right. You can All right. for me if you want next time. No, no, no. I don't want to like take away. Anything. You're not taking anything away. It's just yeah. like like jump into uh, your books on Joe Mind. Dude, thing. you guys should do a tag team. Like you do a pick, then you tag her off to do the next pick. Well, she's so... gonna get it wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I believe you there are. You, the... sir. All right, I I'm will sleeping let... on the couch tonight. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> I'll sleep on the couch with the title though. Yes. There you go. We'll uh, Wes, you tonight. are the reigning. Russ is the reigning champion, by the way. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, have a good night and happy Halloween to I did, everybody. I happy Halloween, cosplayer extraordinaire Joe Colton. Yeah. Right. I didn't tie with Mike. No, yeah. Let me see. I actually have it in my uh, notes. Wasn't I second? The last one was called Payback, correct? Yeah. Yep. Okay. The Payback winners are. Let's see. We had five out of six correct. The one and only Wes Whitlock. Uh, and tying with Wes, you're correct. Mike, the Rainmaker Darty with five out of six. That's what I thought. I thought Mike. Uh, That's right. Okay. It must have been second. Coming in, I, coming in second place. Second place is yours truly, Al Soto, with four out of six matches predicted correctly. Man, was I dead last? And dead last, Darth Paul Wallace. Damn. Holy smokes, Darth Paul Wallace, you are the big loser. Sorry. See, I take, I, I take risks that nobody else seems to take. So sometimes <laughs> doesn't. I'll give you credit there. You do have some crazy picks sometimes, but you know, good for you for Natalie Neidhart. Now, if if the Fox, if the Fox beats Darth Paul Wallace, then I know. All right. So let's let's uh, give this a shot. This could be kind of fun. We got Oh, there! Oh, the Fox is somebody else now. <laughs> you, look a little, you look a little more like the R Hall that I know. Yes. Yeah, I just made this avatar. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Wow, this is a great. Is this a new feature in Zoom, or is this something that you've? Yeah, it's a new. Uh, it's a new feature in Zoom. Wow! How cool! Yeah, <laughs> I love it. 
Well, you know what? We have a lot more matches that hopefully we can have a definitive one winner for uh, the Crown Jewel pay-per-view because there was only like five matches, you know, for the, for the yeah, last yeah, one. So, yeah. Uh, oh, well, yeah. six matches. Yeah, six matches. So hopefully this time we'll have a lot more. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start. Well, they just added a pre-show match. All right. Um, this uh, will, I guess, not be an official part of the the card. But this is a big shocker because Sami Zayn was not allowed in Saudi Arabia still, initially. Sami Zayn, being of Syrian descent, is now going to be a part of Crown Jewel. So this is groundbreaking. I mean, I are, are they going to film it? In, are they going to film him like ahead of time and then add it into the pay per view? Or that's that's one thing that they could go. They could go that route if he's kind of persona. Yeah, I kind Rata. of wonder if that's what they're going to do with him because I mean, I don't think he's allowed yeah. in Saudi Arabia. I thought, but especially guess, nowadays with everything that's going on, so I think. Yeah, I think the last pay per view in Saudi, he was allowed to be there, and it was the first time ever. But really, you're right, Paul, with all with the shit going on over mm-hmm. there. And the fact like, that they're, eh. and they're still yeah. going to the Middle East despite the, the whole war going on in Gaza Strip. Despite the then they get stuck there last time because nobody wanted to fly him out or something, or they 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 uh, got the pay for. They, were, they didn't get paid. Is that what it was? Yeah, Vince Vince took his jet and said, hmm, see, see ya. But they didn't get paid. He left. So they, they were like, he we're not leaving all until the we get paid. Superstars. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> Holy smokes. Wow. This is a crazy shit going on. But nonetheless, Saudi Arabia, Crown Jewel happening this Saturday, the next premium live event. Let's predict the Sami Zayn a pre-match. Is he take, he's taking on JD McDonough. This is the kickoff show match. I guess I'll start. Um, I think they want good PR. I think Saudi Arabia wants good PR. They're going to put um they're going to maybe and I think the WWE feels um feels an agreement. So in this case Sami Zayn will go over in this match. So my prediction is Sami Zayn will win against Jaden McDonough in the opening kickoff match. Who do I get to pick from? Like what are the names? Uh, Sami Zayn and JD McDonough. McDonough and what was the other one? Zayn? Yeah. Sami Zayn, yeah. Z-A-Y-N. I'll go with the I'll go with the Irishman. You're going. You're going. Oh, Jada McDonough. Okay. I don't fucking know who these people are, so I'm going to go with it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. It reminds uh, me of Martin McDonough, and he's written some pretty cool plays that are pretty pretty hard to watch. So I'll go with that. I think that's perfect. All right, uh, Wes, who are you picking for this one? I'm going to pick Zane, but I'm not going to pick for the same reason. Uh, I just think. Oh. That- McDonough is still in the I'm getting beat up all the damn time phase. Rude. Oh, like ass kiss. Uh, <laughs> That's my there. boy. <laughs> He's now the biggest JD McDonough fan of all time. Seriously, oh. whoever that guy is. JD McDonough's got the biggest head of all time. Oh, he looks like a, he looks like a giant bobblehead. Yeah, that, Cody Rhodes <laughs> said that to him. Yeah, yeah. I know. That's why I got that from. All right, Big Paul, <laughs> who are you going with on this match? I'm definitely going to go with Sami Zayn. It's like, uh, I think Sami Zayn just is, he, he's somebody they're going to push. Okay. All right. So this match was just announced at the SmackDown taping. So as you know, SmackDown will not be live this Friday. They had to tape yeah. it because they have to be, everybody's got to fly out to uh, Saudi Arabia. So this match, match was just announced. Bianca Belair challenging EO Sky. For the WWE Women's Championship at Crown Jewel. Wrong. You know what? I've been I've bet against EO Sky so many times, and I've gotten it wrong. And I have a feeling if I switch and go with my gut again, I'm going to get it wrong again. 
So this is a tough one, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go with um, EO Sky Retaining. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a tough one, but uh, I've, I've, I've bet against her for so many times and I'll feel really bad if I, if I got that one wrong. All right, let's go with Darth Paul. Who are you picking on this women's title match? I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go with Belair. I think she hasn't had anything for a while. And there might even be some hijinks involved that causes EO to lose. You know what I mean? Like from jealousy or something like that. So I think it's going to be Belair. Okay. How about Wes Whitlock, the defending champion? Uh, I'm going to go with EO. Um, Bianca just came back. Uh, she took time off. I want to say she wasn't hurt, but she had some sort of procedure done too. But mm-hmm. uh, sometimes with with Bianca, especially, I think the uh, I think the money's in the chase. She's already held the belt like long. Yeah, she had it, had it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm going with uh, EO. All right, Art Hall, uh, Bianca Belair challenging EO Sky. Who who we got? Bianca or Sky is what I'm saying here. So yes. uh, Bianca, because she sounds like Russian bull who Russian. bring bring things to America. Because in Soviet Russia, the the wrestling happens to you. I don't know. There's something. I don't know. The bear finds you. Some shit like that. Uh, Bianca. It uh, just sounds like a hotter name. So I'll go with that. All right. Right on. There's the Hi, man. I'm easy. You know, I'm, I'm pretty stupid when it comes to this stuff. So... <laughs> All right, the next match. Let's start with uh, Wes for this one. Cody Rhodes versus Damian Priest. Uh, Rhodes. Cody Rhodes, okay. He's got that briefcase, and he's going to have to cash in eventually, so he doesn't need the win. There you go. And they're tag team champions again, so as a singles wrestler, it it doesn't matter if uh, Priest wins or loses. Okay. How how about you, Darth Paul? I agree with Wes. I mean, it's like... I don't see how Cody loses that match. I mean, yeah. Damian Priest has has the briefcase, and he's a tag team champion. It's like there you go. I, I think the the answer is right there as well. I agree with you guys that Damian Priest will lose. Cody Rhodes will get the big W. All right, Art Hall. Who Cody, Cody Rhodes. Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. All right, oh, go with the I know a guy named Cody, so I'm going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the U.S. Championship match. Wow, man, this is a tough one to predict. I'm going to be honest with you, but uh, let's start with Big Paul now because he hasn't gone first yet. Okay, who do you uh, – let's see. Who should, that's going to be a tough one. That's a tough one. That's a tough sure. one. I mean, you have Logan Paul just coming up straight from a, a yeah. huge boxing match win. And yeah, but he's then, already. But then again, I don't think they want to keep it on. Do you, you're right. Won, yeah. He hasn't won any gold in WWE yet. You know. Yeah, he's I guess you're right on a pay per view where. Yeah, I guess yeah. I guess you're right. I think Logan Paul will probably finally win something because he's had okay. some good matches, and you're right. He is coming off that boxing match. I mean, they gave it to other like one time guys. You know what I mean? Okay, that's a good prediction. Art Hall, who are you picking? Rey Mysterio, is he retaining the championship? Or is the YouTube star, Logan Paul, becoming new champion? See, I don't know very much about this Logan Paul fella, except everything I hear seems to point in the direction that he sounds like a real asshole. But he's kind of a real asshole. Yeah, so I'm going to go for the other guy, even though I know Paul's probably going to win because, you know, assholes finish first, but I'll go for the other guy. (laughs) 
You're going to go for Rey Mysterio retaining his championship. Well, also Mysterio. There you go. It reminds me of uh, the Spider-Man movie. There you go. <laughs> Mysterio is going to come out with a ball in his head, right? Uh, yep, ball in his head, and he's going to use all sorts of nanobots. It's going to be awesome. Uh, That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be some championship changes, and I believe Logan Paul uh, will be the one ch- um, big championship change, in my opinion. Logan Paul will win the United States Championship, in my prediction. You know what else um, might happen too? Do you think uh, his son, Ray's son, might come in and interfere just to give Logan Paul an advantage? You know what I mean? Just cause a like rivalry between them. That's a very viable possibility as well. All right, all right, Wes Whitlock. What's your prediction on the U.S. title match? I'm going to say Ray, and I'm going to okay. say that because unless they sign some sort of deal for Paul to appear multiple times, I don't think they're going to put the belt on him. Um, Interesting. I don't think it hurts Paul to win or lose because he's a douchebag. So, like, if he loses, yeah, he, he makes a good villain. He can say whatever he wants. If he wins, he can brag all he wants. But I, I, I think even though I, no one, including WWE, cares about that belt, I, I just think they're going to keep it on Ray. Well, but you know what? If Logan Paul wins, he could have a Charizard in the middle of the belt. <laughs> <laughs> Because he wears that Charizard around his neck, yeah. you can put it right on the middle of that belt. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Women's championship match. Wow. Another hard one to predict. Um, who hasn't gone first yet? I don't um, think R went first. R yeah. hasn't gone first. So it's uh, Rhea Ripley, the champion, defending against four other women: Nia Jax, Zoe Stark, Shayna Baszler, and Raquel Rodriguez. Is it a cage match or something? It's a five fatal five way. So five women at the same time wrestling. First one to score a pinfall submission is the winner. And the crazy thing is that Rhea Ripley can lose the championship without getting pinned or submitted. Uh, Someone else could get pinned. And this one kind of has these, the cards stacked against Rhea, but do you think Rhea will retain art or do you think think it will be? Or do you think we Nia Jax, Zoe Stark, Shayna Baszler, or Raquel Rodriguez? I, I'm gonna have to go with Ripley just because aliens, man. You know, a, <laughs> she she taught she knocked the shit out of some people in on all the alien movies. That okay. is she, she was got in. that name. Yeah, so that's not go. a bad prediction. She's gonna take her take all them other women out like she took out that queen. <laughs> very dominant. She's very dominant. Oh, yeah. All right, going next. Um, Big Paul. Okay, this this is really probably one I'm going to get wrong, but it would make sense in a way. I'm going to say Nia Jax because because the bloodline thing going on. So I think they might try to get her into the bloodline as the female member of the bloodline with winning. You know what I mean? That's not a bad uh, idea. Not a bad idea. All right, let's go to Wes Whitlock. Mommy's always on top. Mommy's on top. Rhea Ripley, Rhea Ripley all for life. Right. <laughs> and who, um, and just for shits and giggles, who is she pinning? Oh. Uh... Probably Zoe Starks. Okay. Not bad. I don't think, gonna... she, I don't think, I don't think her and Nia will um, wrap. They don't want to take a chance of getting a, getting a Rhea yeah. hurt by Nia because Nia seems to be a little reckless. Yeah. Well, I think that Nia and her will have a singles match after this. Oh, okay. There well, then you again, go. That, that actually helps Nia. I mean, that's why I'm thinking maybe, maybe, maybe that helps my case for Nia then if they're going to have a single match afterwards. Could be. She, she could win because Nia could pin Zoe, Shayna, or 
Raquel and she could win the title without pinning Rhea. So, but you know what? Because of my wild pick of Logan Paul winning the United States Championship, I'm going to go with Rhea. Yeah, I'm going to go with Rhea retaining. I, I really think Rhea is going to have the title through WrestleMania. That and I, I said that before when we did another uh, pay per view picks, and I still in my heart believe that she she's got to have like she's going to either face. Becky Lynch or Bianca Belair, because both of those matches hasn't really happened uh, yeah. in a long time. I think maybe their NXT days with uh, in Bianca's case and with Becky, I don't think Becky versus Rhea's one on one has happened yet. So. No, I don't think that's happened yet. So, so I think, I think, I think the big money match is to keep the strap on Rhea through WrestleMania, and Rhea will retain. So there you go. Um, let's move on. Wow, the world. Heavyweight championship match. Seth Rollins defending against Drew McIntyre. Hmm. I guess I'll start. Um, another tough one to predict, man. Drew McIntyre. I, I feel like he deserves the title. I know Seth Rogan's dealing with injuries, but uh I can't see Seth dropping yet. Um I'm gonna go with Seth Rollins retaining the title. Um, there'll be some shenanigans, you know. Um, maybe, maybe he won't win completely clean. Um, Seth might might play a little dirty. I don't know, but uh, my predictions to Seth to go over. Um, it's a tough call, tough call because Drew really needs it, and Drew is also rumored to have not signed a contract extension yet with WWE, and that mm-hmm. that ex- that contract is set to expire sometime next year. So uh, this is kind of maybe his testing out the waters, maybe to see. But uh, all right, let's go with West next. I think Drew's contract actually expires in January. Uh, oh wow! Okay, it was supposed to expire, I think, this year. But when he had, he had to take time off, they extended it. So oh, okay, I think it's in January. Uh, but um, I think Seth's injuries will work. I don't. Okay. I think if he was really that badly hurt, they would have took the belt off of him and let him go home and rehab because he's a he's a big draw for them. So I think it's a work, and I'm going to say Drew wins because Drew really won, Drew won the 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 WWE Championship in front of nobody, and I think that it would make a lot of sense if you want to keep that guy to do it in, at a huge pay per view, even though it's overseas. And like they kind of fucked him with um uh Clash the Castle because he was super right, they did. there. So I, I think I think he's gonna go over as a you you we're the we're the we're the only people you really need to be doing business with. Like we'll we'll throw you wow. a bit we'll give you this huge win in front of this huge crowd that you didn't get when you won the, the WWE championship. I mean it wouldn't shock me if Drew went over, but wow, you bring up some really interesting points. I also hope he turns heel. Yeah. That that would also add to it as well. All right. Officer Darth Paul Wallace. Who are you picking well, up? I mean, I'm gonna have to go with the Scottish psychopath as winning. I mean, because I mean it's really? like I think he is gonna I think he's gonna go it's he needs he needs it. And I think it, it, as Wes was saying, it would be a good goodwill gesture to kind of be like, Hey, uh, we like you here, we wanna give you a chance. Do you have the ability to be something? And Vince always was a big fan of him, even when he wasn't anything you know what i mean because vince said he was the next heir apparent of the i think he wanted him to be the roman reigns before roman reigns so 
I, I go with Drew over uh, Seth. All right. Interesting, interesting uh, um, picks and reasoning for the picks. All right. Art Hall, uh, who are you picking? Uh, Seth Rollins defends the WWE World Heavyweight Championship against Drew McIntyre. Whoever the good officer called psycho, because that uh, that just <laughs> I, I like that. I like the idea of that's just going to work for me. So whoever the psycho the, Scotsman or whatever it was that you said, yeah, the, so, the, the Scottish psychopath. Yeah. There you go, perfect. You can't that, fight with so, a psychopath. All right, so your Drew Drew will be winning the title according to three. He carried the big sword too, so he could come to the ring with his big sword. And... Wow! So three of the four of us are picking Drew McIntyre to be the new champ. Interesting. Yeah. All right, and the final match, the main event, um, the undisputed WWE Universal Championship, Roman Reigns defending against the one and only, the most over superstar in the last last past year. Really, he's his 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 popularity is. Just you mean Hagerstown's own? Hagerstown, Maryland's own. Now build from Los Angeles, kind of like our hall, <laughs> formerly Pasadena, hun. Now representing Los Angeles, yeah. <laughs> Roman Reigns defending against L.A. Knight. Let's start with Darth Paul Wallace on this one. Oh, that's going to be tough. I still think they're going to keep the title on Roman, even though I think L.A. Knight deserves it because they're okay. just going to try to get for the record, I think. So Roman Reigns uh, goes over. Roman Reigns, because they're going to try to get that the record away from Hogan, I think. I think that's why, why they're going to give it to Roman Reigns. And I'm going to agree. I'll go next uh, because, yeah, they don't, they don't, they're not the biggest fans of Hulk Hogan. He's 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 made some really poor choices, and uh, yeah. he he's very close. I think um, by sometime next year. I think Hulk, Hulk Hogan lies about everything, doesn't he? Apparently, there's a whole video series of him just lying yeah. about a random thing. Yeah, I think LA Knight will eventually win a major championship. Um, but I think he's going to start with like, you know, what would it be awesome? LA Knight versus Logan Paul. I think that would that would be a, a, that, would a be. that would be a big draw match, and maybe finally a chance for uh, LA Knight to to win championship gold. Well, is, he but... the, is Cena going to the pay per view or is he not? Because I know he protested before. Yeah, he was supposed to wrestle Solo Sokoa, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, that was one more match that we that I, I skipped. That. We're we're gonna go back to that then. We should predict that. One. Okay, but uh, yeah, because I, I wasn't sure if he was gonna show up or not. You're right. Was, you're right. Yeah, that. I did miss that one on the list. But yes, um, I'm predicting predicting Roman Reigns. Okay, to uh, retain. Um, what about you, Art Hall? Um, are you going with Hagerstown own? Yeah, now Los Angeles, yeah. LA Knight to defeat you know, Roman I... Reigns. Or you know, you I gotta, I gotta go with the Balmer boy. You know that, <laughs> especially if Baltimore. he's out there from Hagerstown, man. <laughs> so you go for LA Knight? Is he winning the championship, Art? Sure, why not? I have okay. faith in the little guy. <laughs> See, Art's right. gonna beat us all. You know that, right? Dude, this is, trust me. This is where you want to put your bets. The over and unders with me. Okay. <laughs> all right, LA Knight. All right, uh, Wes Whitlock. Who are you picking for this match? Nah, uh, Roman. Roman Reigns <laughs> retaining. All right. Yes. I, I think that LA Knight's gonna win the Royal Rumble. Ooh, well, I think that that benefits prediction. him the most because most really most of the biggest stars won the rumble. Really, yeah, who's right. he challenge? Who's he challenging? You think? Oh, if, if he, he wins, wins the rumble, I, 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 I wouldn't. 
So I think I don't understand the appeal of LA Knight. I think he's boring as fuck, but uh, <laughs> um, I think that it's either going to be Cody or Knight at Mania that that finally topples Roman. I don't think anybody else is even close to being as over as they need to be to to take the belt off of Roman. So it's got to be one of those two for Mania. Or they could bring Brock back for one night just to win it and just to piss everybody off again. I <laughs> I really hope not, considering Vince is no longer in charge of creative. There you go. He's no longer part of creative. You go. Yeah, I think Roman is. Uh, he's going to retain. All right. Now we got one more match. Thank you for reminding me. John Cena, Hollywood superstar, uh, coming back and wrestling. Which he said previously he would never wrestle in Saudi Arabia because of the controversy of them killing yeah. that the American. Um, like, I think he was like Middle was Eastern American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy was killed. But nonetheless, John Cena will be wrestling. Picking on Solo Sokoa of the Bloodline. Um, honestly, this is a very hard match to predict. But you know what? On SmackDown, they, they've been playing over and over and over again that Cena has not had a win in so many years. Right. So I'll start with this one. I think John Cena will get a big win um, over Solo Sokoa. I, I, don't, I don't see the reason for John Cena to lose this one because he's, he's had a string of uh, losses lately. Yeah. And uh, I think this will be a good opportunity to give him the win. So I'm going. I'm going with John Cena here. All right. Uh, next, uh, Art Hall. Who who you think? John Cena versus Solo Sokoa. John Cena. Obviously, he's peacemaker man. You don't fuck with that guy. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> I didn't know he still wrestled. I thought he completely trans well, transitioned uh, see, down like the Rock Art, or whatever. Art sags on strike right now and he needs uh, money he's going where he's got to get the money <laughs> that makes sense uh, he outright said in an interview when the strike's over he's done he's wow. done so this is kind of why i hope that the strike well obviously the strike the goes forever Al. thanks no not forever <laughs> but i want him at wrestlemania i want to see him at wrestlemania i, I, I think what him. you said makes sense if they're talking about how much he hasn't won it sounds like they're laying the groundwork, you know, for that that dynamic of the story. So, yeah. okay, all right, um, let's go with Big Paul. I agree. I, I think Cena's going to win just because he hasn't won in a while. Plus, I mean, it might be a good send off if this is his last match. You know what I mean? If it's his last match, oh wow! Because I mean, think about it. they have a Peacemaker coming back. So once they start, I mean, once the strike's over, they're probably going to start filming it. Okay. That's a fair prediction. All right, Wes Whitlock, Cena versus Solo Sokoa. Uh, I think that uh, everybody's got really sound arguments, but I I think that Cena, because he knows that he's on his way out, he's, he's going to do that thing where he's going to put over as many pop people as possible. So I think, especially wow. since the last guy who did the spike isn't around anymore, yeah, I right. think that uh, I think that Cena is gonna yeah. gonna take he's gonna take the job again and put over uh, Solo because I mean he hasn't he hasn't won a lot in the last no. year. he's been pretty much enhancement talent that like looks tough but always loses. Yeah, really. So you're going Solo Sokoa for the win? Okay. I also think that Jimmy um, uh, Jimmy Uso is gonna, yeah, gonna help him win. All right, that's a fair, fair prediction. So, very interesting, yeah. So, uh, of course, when you see SmackDown this Friday, it's not going to be live. 
as as you know, they taped that. Um, You'll know who's going to win on the tape SmackDown. If Cena gets over on uh on Solo, then I then Solo's going to win. If if okay. if Solo beats up Cena again, then I'm wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> it so, works. So basically, from what I'm reading, Solo Sokoa and Paul Heyman cut a promo ahead of Sokoa's match against John Cena. Cena came out, exchanged words with Sokoa before laying him out. So there you go. That's what happened. Yeah. Seeing the late amount. So I'm I'm very um, confident in my pick. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they didn't have a match there. Um, but uh yeah, Art, you're right. I mean, because I mean Cena is peacemaker, he's a busy man in Hollywood. It's because of the strike that he's come back and he's really brought ratings to SmackDown through the ticket sales and the TV ratings and ever since I heard the Rock might be back soon too. Wow, there you go. But with Cena, ever since he's made that return in on September first after the actor strike and has become a regular part of SmackDown, yeah, yeah the um the ratings have been um really really good. Yeah, I should have thought about that. I should have stayed with wrestling because then I could have uh, still been working right now instead of being, being on strike. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, you're six you're six foot eight and you can't teach that tall, right? <laughs> I'm also, I'm 300 pounds. Well, I was 300 pounds, but now I'm down to 280 after running 10 hours a day for less. There you go. Wow. All you need is a big boot. There you go. You win. Why on earth would you run so much? What was chasing you? <laughs> <laughs> he was chasing. I'm just saying, like, I mean, uh, 10 hours a day. I'm like, oh, fuck that. (laughs) 10 hours a day or or 10 miles a day? 10 miles a day. Oh, I thought you said hours. I'm like, what the hell, man? You you said hours at first, Paul. I think I said miles, but if I said hours, I'm sorry. (laughs) You're you're high again, man. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Uh, But just wrapping up some wrestling stuff, John Cena actually has a new film called Freelance, which is an independent film. And I guess it's a freelance film, right, Al? It's called Freelance, yeah. which is a freelance film with him, Christian Slater, and Allison Bree. Wow, he's in some good company. Um, basically, Cena is an ex-special forces operative, very fitting for John Cena. Of course. Who's stuck in a dead-end desk job, sounds familiar, uh, when he's reluctantly recruited by his military buddy, Sebastian Earl, played by Christian Slater to take on a simple freelance gig, providing security for washed-up journalist Claire, played by Allison Brie. So there you go. They had a bunch of superstars that showed up. Uh, L.A. Knight was there for the premiere, Alexa Bliss, Tennille Dashwood, Sean Spears, Top Dollar. A couple of those people. She, well, Top Dollar is not part of WWE anymore. Yeah, he's been fired. Yeah, so. But actually, Alexa, you know, how long is, is she still, like, is she in shape yet, or is she still, like, Nah, she hasn't, she, had she hasn't given birth yet. Oh, she hasn't she's given still, birth yet? She's, okay. Yeah, she's still pregnant. So we take a She while. shared an Instagram thing that I saw literally like an hour ago. Um, oh, okay. so, so that's she had like a, a skeleton for onesie, but it had a skeleton baby where the, the bump is. So yeah, she's not oh, okay. actually given birth yet. Yeah. So what I'm reading here, Wes, is that um, the Scottish warrior Drew McIntyre, his contract is set to expire in five months. Oh, which would okay. be okay. which would be before WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia, but um, it's not known whether McIntyre has been approached or if the two sides are still negotiating. But right now, there's no deal in place. So in a way, yeah. I, even though I, 
I already predicted, so I can't change my pick. <laughs> but I do, I do want Drew to stay with the company. So yeah. hopefully they, um, unlike Ronda Rousey, who's been moved to the alumni section of the WWE oh, really? website. Yeah, Rousey is done with WWE. Apparently, she's goodbye. Been kind of pressure you're 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 happy to see Rhonda go? I don't know, man. Awful. She was she, she was, was so great. I know, but when she had that main event match with with uh, Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch, oh, that was oh, fantastic. Yeah. That match was awesome. Yeah, because because they carried her through the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want Gina Carano needs money? Maybe she could be the new UFC one for yeah, WWE. Better looking. <laughs> <laughs> And then, of course, we have Randy Orton. Apparently, he's rumored to return by by Survivor Series in Chicago, which I think would be fitting for like somebody like a CM Punk. But apparently, they're not moving forward with negotiations with Punk because Seth Rollins hates him, and a lot of people he's rubbed the wrong way. Well, I think half the company hates him, but I mean, if he puts butts in the seats, that's all matters. That's what happened with Vince, right? Vince looked the other way. It's looked the other way, I guess. I don't know. Because, I mean, uh, like, how many people hated Hogan and hated Ultimate Warrior, but he just kept hiring him and firing him all the time? No. Punk's done. He's a AW proved that he can't go. Like, he, he, he tried to say that he was still the best in the world, but I'm like, yeah. Hogan beat the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. And, like, when he won that match, I was like, that does not look like a guy who won the match. That looks like a guy who is literally about to collapse. <laughs> He's not the guy he was seven years ago. He all he well, is even a well, did you see his UFC matches? He lasted what like a minute in most of them. He's not tough at all. Look up anytime he's had a physical alteration on the indies, he loses. He's not tough. He's got a persona. That's it. Yeah, uh, I think Jack, I think Jack I think uh Luke Perry's son Jack Perry could legitimately beat us. Quite <laughs> frankly, I don't know. I mean, she choked him out, but I think if it went further, it's possible that that Luke Perry's son would. Have I mean, I, I do think CM Punk's good with the mic. I think he would be like a good Paul Heyman type, like as a manager or something, like a heel manager. But I think that's what he would be ideal for if you bring him in. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm happy they didn't bring him back just because every time. Something happened in AW. I'm like, dude, you're 47. Act your age. Get over it. Like, there's <laughs> no need for you to, to to prove yourself and prove how tough you are every time right. somebody's like, "Well, you suck." I'm like, well, what is, that, is that why they brought Edge in? Because Edge is more of a voice of reason than. Well, I think Edge just wants to have a good time, so I don't think he's really concerned. Yeah. Like, they were apparently, uh, he, him, and Ricky Starks apparently like. We're, we're miffed with each other after some promo because, like, Stark shot on Edge and Edge shot back. Right. But, I mean, there was no, like, altercation. It was just like, oh, no. kind of dick. And you yep. never hear anything negative about Edge. He's always seen yeah. as a consummate, uh, you know. Oh, no, wait. No, there was one thing I did hear about Edge when he stole Lita from uh, Matt Hardy. <laughs> so there was one, <laughs> one thing that you did hear about not being a uh, professional. <laughs> As okay. Soon as Paul started talking. I was like, I know exactly where he's going with this. Well, all right. Well, I think that that brings us to the end of uh, WWE stuff. Um, but um, we um, lost a major, major actor that uh, was very beloved. He had one of the most popular long-running shows on NBC, and that's Matthew Perry, who uh, yeah, played country. Chandler 
on friends sadly died at the age of 54 there's a lot of like um i guess uncertainties on how he died because of early reports were like he drowned but then it said that well he you know he was above the water uh and he wasn't in the tub long enough because he was didn't have was he is, was he clean at the time because he's had some issues and well they found prescription effect. drugs but no illicit drugs at his house okay so wow, when his assistant so came back when his assistant came back they saw him in his hot tub unresponsive and um so we don't have a cause of death so the early reports that he died of drowning were not um were, were not accurate not well, I mean, even if he had a past like with drugs, I mean, there could be a heart attack too. So it's like, well, yes, you know, like on IMDb, it said cardiac arrest. I thought cardiac but... arrest, the cardiac event that yeah. might have lead to him drowning, but they said that they're going to rule out the drowning because he wasn't. What what is the term when you're in the water submerged for so long and your skin gets? Uh, is it waterlogged or water? Yeah, yeah. waterlogged. Yeah, waterlogged. Okay, the, the, he wasn't waterlogged, so he wasn't in there long enough. After you know his assistant, thank yeah. God, assistant found him, but sadly was too late. But he had, you know, he just wrote a memoir called "Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing" about his struggles with drugs and alcohol. And he was promoting a book that he had been clean for eighteen months, and uh, he probably spent nine million dollars on trying to get sober. Um, Jeez, I wonder how yeah. much it would cost Charlie Sheen to get sober. Because I mean, could you imagine the cost of that? If no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's possible at this point. Uh, He's got yeah. that. You think I think I think he has now evolved. Like he has he now become one with the cocaine. So his, so his bloods are nothing. His bloods nothing but drugs, like Keith Richards, that, right? Yeah, he's literally now. He'll live until he's a fucking hundred and fifty. I think it's the same thing with Keith Richards. Yeah, they got the yeah. tiger the tiger blood DNA that they're so transition mean, complete that that the nothing nothing will kill them. It might take a bullet to kill them, probably. So, yep. He even revealed Matthew Perry uh, to People magazine that doctors told him he had a 2% chance to live um, after spending two weeks in a coma when he was close to death, which I didn't even know about. I didn't know about that at all. Yeah. His colon burst as a result of his opioid use. So, Jesus. My God. Yeah. And uh, they all, his friends co stars made a big uh, joint statement that they're devastated by the loss of Matthew. We were more than just castmates. We we're a family. There's so much to well, say. But then he did. Then he like uh, put some like nasty stuff about some of them in his book, though. I thought. Did he really? But I, I, I thought he not, did. They're not bringing it up now. Obviously, that would be a crazy time to bring that up after the yeah. guy died. But I'm just, I'm just saying. I think, think he did say stuff about him, kind of like Screech when Screech wrote his book about everybody. Really? Yeah. I didn't hear about that. That he actually yeah, spoke Screech, negatively. Screech, uh, talked badly about everybody on that show. That's why he wasn't invited back when they did the re reunion thing. That's that's Screech's cause, but I don't think that was the case of Matthew Perry. Oh, I thought that was because he did a porno or something. But I guess whatever. Yeah, yeah, he that that he that he did. He did do a porno. But I thought he I, I thought he bashed everybody too. But maybe I'm maybe. Wrong. I mean, chances are he seemed like that kind of dude. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but they're saying, yeah, right now it's deferred. The cause of death has been deferred because the cause of death has not been determined. Uh, so we're going to have to wait for that one. But his memoir is now the number one um, on the Amazon bestseller it's list. A it's a work. It's a work. He's going to come and, out of that water like Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> All the money. <laughs> 
And then uh, all the episodes of Friends on Max right now have a tribute card in the beginning in memory oh, of cool. Matthew Perry. So mm-hmm. any, if you watch Friends on Max, where it's currently streaming, you will uh, get that uh, in memory of Matthew Perry. And of course, Saturday Was he related also. to Luke Perry at all now? No, I don't think it was related to any Perry's, uh, any famous. I know Jack Perry's, Perry's related to uh, Luke Perry, but I wasn't sure if Matthew yeah. Perry was like maybe. A well, Jack or Perry's the son of Luke Perry, but I don't think Matthew. Well, Perry I know that, him. but I'm just, I just was wondering, like maybe <laughs> something like yeah. that. And they had a moment of silence Saturday Night Live. You know, they, uh, they had Nate Bargatz as the episode host. By the way, shout out to Floyd Henderson and Nicole. Vansick, two SAG actors that I know they're in that skit on Saturday Night Live, the um, Beach Lake um, skit, which was all about all the redneck towns because they don't have proper beaches and oceans. They have a big party at the lake. And they showed so how dirty Floyd the lake in, how was. How did Floyd get in on that? I don't know. Congratulations to Floyd. He, he because he's been, he's been doing this for a long time, though, hasn't he? He has. He has. But congratulations to see uh, some local friends on Saturday Night Live. Um, see, yeah, see, I'll never be on Saturday Night Live just because, I mean, I just don't like where it's went. It used to be funny, and it's just not funny anymore. Wow. I mean, well, I don't like care said, if you're giving you, me a billion dollars, like, I won't be on You it. like Keenan Thompson? and I like Keenan Thompson. He's the only one I like. I mean, I, hey, if yeah. Keenan Thompson says, hey, I want you on a sketch show that's not Saturday Night Live, I'll gladly uh, do some uh, sketches with Keenan Thompson. But the rest of Saturday Night Live, it's like, they're, they're, so, they're not funny. They don't. There's so no you, originality. It's so just on. As, as an a, as an actor, Paul, you would turn down work on Saturday Night Live. Yes, just because plus you don't agree. Or plus, like I the told show. you, it's like a cult. Like if you work on Saturday Night Live, I don't know if you're a guest or not. It's like that. They do put you up, and you can't. I I don't know if it has to do with the past drug use before with some of the people, but they they quarantine you, and you they control your life. They tell you who you can talk to, who you can't. It's a cult. I find me an article, Paul. I've not heard about that. I know you're, he. I know he was on. You're, it and they, you're getting your. You're so getting I mean, your news some some crazy, crazy like. I know Reddit, somebody uh, who's actually on it. Or... So it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to name the person, but yes, I do know some, and that's what the truth is. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, eventually somebody's going to write a tell on it. It's going to come out. It's like that. It's I don't know well, if it's just a whole thing or what it is. Your your sources should write a tell all. I'd love to read about the the alleged. Saturday Night Live. Oh, oh. <laughs> sound like you don't that. really believe it, Al. I, mean, I don't know. It's... The, the Sith Lord comes out with some crazy Sith. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so that's not all who we lost, guys. We we lost Richard Mole. So there's now only two original Night Court cast members alive. And that's because he, he, he didn't want to go on to the Night Court. I mean, I was shocked like, at how old he was. I could not believe he was fucking 80. He's 80, he 80? years old. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy, right? How I fucking old was he in Night Court? I thought he was like in his 20s. <laughs> yeah, wasn't he? No, he apparently not. He must have been like yeah. almost... You know, thirty something. Yeah, but then yeah. But he was on that. Do you remember he was like a bad guy in a couple of episodes of the Eighteen back in the day? Because I was like, why is? Because <laughs> I mean, like he played a comical character, and then he's the villain in like a couple of Eighteen yeah. episodes. It made no That's sense. weird. Yeah, yeah. So rest in peace, uh, Richard Mole. Now it's only John Larroquette and Marshall Warfield. But but, but the same thing. He's like never made an appearance on the new show. He never made an yeah. appearance. And in fact, Marshall Warfield, the the other surviving cast member. 
she made an appearance, but not Richard Mole before he passed away. So is that show still on, or did they get canceled? No, I think they have a second season coming. Oh, that's good. Yeah. We also lost Joan Evans um, from the Hollywood Golden Age and the goddaughter of Joan Crawford. We lost Judy Nugent, who played one of the twins in the early TV sitcom The Ruggles. And um, she was the girl who flew in the arms of Superman in the, the old Adventures of Superman uh, okay. series. I, I, I thought that was somebody else who was uh, in the arms of Superman back in the Christopher Reeve yeah. days. Yeah, so that we're talking the early days. What was it the fifties or sixties when the original the George Reeves one? Yeah, the, George Reeves. Well, that was like died the fifties. Yeah, that was like the fifties, dude. The fifties. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, and of did course, they ever figure out what happened with George Reeves, or was he just? Is that just like one of those mysteries that's going to be enduring? I think it's a. I don't think they ever figured out who actually killed him. Yeah, I think it's a mystery. It's same thing with the guy who was uh, in Hogan, Hogan's Heroes. They never figured oh, yeah, out who really killed him. Yeah, he got murdered straight up. <laughs> so this is before DNA uh, evidence. Uh, oh yeah, this is used. all like in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. yeah, they yeah. they had no way. They have no way. I mean, yeah. shit. If OJ killed someone today, they would think they would be able to find him. <laughs> I think it was still a little. The funny off, thing is, have you ever watched OJ on like a, OJ does weird stuff on like he does these like live action thing, like he just discusses everything like he's a happy nice guy, and he's and then you think about it, it's like OJ, it's OJ. Yeah, you know I mean, what I mean. The dude got like, away with murder. He's happy as shit. <laughs> <laughs> he would not get away with murder today because he doesn't know how to shut up. Yeah, I know. It's just like yeah. he's like, haha! I watched that movie Double Jeopardy. I'm pretty sure I can say whatever I want now. Yes. Well, then he wrote a book. He wrote yeah. a book. Said if oh, I, yeah, if I did it, yeah. If I did it, I would do it. Oh my god! <laughs> Crazy. And of course, we have to shout a rest in peace to the the 18. 18- People that were uh, killed uh, from the most recent mass shooting in Maine. Um, luckily, the um, the killer is now gone. He yeah. killed himself, um, and uh, he will no longer be a threat to others. But still, sad that yeah. we still are having these crazy mass shootings happening here. Well, the in, weird in thing was, it's like, why was he, why did they allow him to keep his guns when he's mentally ill? It's like that's that's the one yeah. guy you take the gun. Like if you get institutionalized for schizophrenia, it's like. That dude does not need any guns right now. Yeah, he's like, that's, 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 that would be that would be the typical argument, but you know, yes. things don't always go that way. <laughs> yep. That's why that's why psychopaths and crazy people uh need to be as far away from guns as possible. And whether they re uh, reinforce that uh that law, we 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 don't we don't know. Clearly that's not the case. And of yeah. course, with death, we celebrate life. For those celebrating a happy birthday on Halloween, interesting, on October 31st. Here's Dan Rather is 92. Happy birthday, Dan Rather. Yeah. And, I didn't Andrew, realize he was still, he's still with alive. Us. Good for you. He's still alive and still, uh, yeah, he's a legend. Um, Sally Kirkland, if you remember her, she's 82. Another um, uh, legendary actress. Um, Peter Jackson, the director of Lord of the Rings, is 62. Happy birthday, Peter. He's only sixty-two. I, I thought he would be a lot older than that. I didn't realize he was that young. Yeah, yeah, he's he's pretty young because I know I know he's making movies in like the eighties, but he was only twenty. You know. Okay, yeah. so he, he started. I didn't realize he started that young. Yeah. yeah. Rob Snyder is sixty. Wow. So he and same thing like him. I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of surprised to hear that he's hit hit the big six zero <laughs> along with D- Dermot Mulroney. Happy birthday! Also sixty. Michael Malley from Glee is 58. Ad Rock from BC Boys is 57. 
Vanilla Ice 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 Baby is 56. Wow. wow. Damn, that 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 cuts deep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Piper Paravo's 47. Actress Samara Armstrong from the OC. I loved her. She was 43. Turn 43. Eddie K. Thomas, shit brick from American Pie is 43. I love the American <laughs> Pie movies. Eddie K. Thomas was was Finch. He was the sophisticated one. Yep. Didn't want to take a shit in school. He was fantastic. And um, Will Smith's daughter, Willow Smith, is 23. So those are birthdays today. Um, now, now, what's the so, status of Will Smith's marriage? Is that still going strong or is that still? I think they came out and said that they've been separated for all. Well, they said they've been separated. I was like, I was wondering if he's like, I'm finally away from her. I'm not. I want. No, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. <laughs> that, that, that's like the strangest thing I've ever it's heard. It's the strangest like... thing because they had an appearance in Baltimore at the Enoch Pratt Lab Library. Well, Will Smith said, you know, it was kind of like a test for, I don't know the exact quote, but it was a test for our love. And and now we feel, I feel stronger with, with Jada more than ever. And we're going to make our relationship work. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> after after he slapped Chris Rock. He lost his career. He lost her, his career. And he, and he was not even together with her at the time. So, yeah. But he crazy. thought the joke was funny. He was laughing and clapping about it. And then she looks over him angrily and he goes up and slaps him. So it's like. It was all it was all uh, all for nothing, so to speak. Um, yep. Lost a career out of it and no longer able to attend the Oscars for 10 years. So, but gentlemen, this is the, um, the conclusion of BTB, the Halloween episode. Wow. What a tremendous show from top to bottom. Green arrows in the house. The <laughs> Fox was in the house. Darth officer, Paul, you know, <laughs> I'm a Sith Lord. he was also a part Sith Lord. <laughs> the woke police. Are you the woke police? <laughs> <laughs> I should be the work police. That's what I should come out as the work police. <laughs> now I can't wait to review the Marvels because Marvels. what I heard about the Marvels, if what is true, there'll be a lot of work stuff I can ran oh, on there. Well, well, we'll we'll listen to that when when the Marvels gets released in two weeks. And I'm Rick Sanchez, bitch. For Rick and Morning, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm Al Celebrity Soda, the new voice of Rick. <laughs> Adhering to the SAG rules as an anim animated character. Um, and uh, yeah, that concludes um, tonight's BTB. We'd like to thank, of course, at the earlier part of the program, Dean on the scene, Rogers. We'd like to thank for the latter half of the program, Darth Paul Wallace, a Sith Lord, six foot eight, and you can't teach that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to thank, of course, Art Hall, podcaster extraordinaire from That Was Disappointing. And also accomplished actor, filmmaker, and editor extraordinaire. And what does the fox say, Art? <laughs> and of course, uh, Oliver Queen, right? Uh, himself <laughs> portraying the one and only Green Arrow. <laughs> He's just basically just a green hoodie. <laughs> the one and only Wes Whitlock, the defending, reigning defending. BTB WWE picks champion until so. Art dethrones him. 
<laughs> we'll see. You could have the beginner's luck. You never know. Yeah, I want to see. I'm real. I actually am very curious to see how many of those pan out. So <laughs> you should just bring art on every show just to like name random guys that he has no clue about. Yeah, you're <laughs> like, hey, ha have some whiskey and make your best decision. Okay, I, yeah. I would love. It's it's amazing. It's amazing how it works. Your name Hulk Hogan is a WWE champion. <laughs> so we talked about Disney earlier. Closing out tonight's show. Mike the General's Odds exclusive interview with Disney showrunners from the animated series Kiff. Art, I think you're familiar with Kiff, aren't you? Yep. Yeah. You mean Kiff we, from uh, uh, Futurama? No, no, no Kiff. Kiff oh, it's a Disney Channel show. It's a Disney Channel show. Oh, man. Animation. See, see, I wouldn't want to see a show about Kiff from Futurama. That would be well, a great anyways. show. Oh, I would love have to Zach see that again and have those characters. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked to the showrunners, Nick Small and Lucy Heavens. They're from uh, New Zealand. And this is a great animated show. Art, you as a Disney um, employee of Disney, you're very familiar in the animation department of the, the show. And uh, we were happy to talk to the showrunners at New York Comic Con. Um, and uh, just a couple more great uh, content um, from New York Comic Con that we're showcasing here on BTB ending tonight's show. All right, guys, on behalf of everybody on the panel, guys, we will see you next week. Until then, peace. So, hey, everybody, this is Mike the General Zod here with Below the Belt Show at the illustrious New York Comic Con in 2023. And we are absolutely honored to have the creators of a fantastic new show on Disney Plus called Kiff. And this is Nick yeah. and Lucy. Hey, yeah. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Thanks for having us on Below the Belt. So the first question I have to ask is uh, for, for our listeners and viewers who aren't familiar, what can you give us as an overview for the show? Okay, so Kiff is a uh, low-concept show. You know, it's like you know, you got a family, they live somewhere, and, and they, they do life. But, you know, it's really about the characters. Kiff is an optimistic squirrel who just wants to live life. You know, she wants to suck the marrow out of the bone of life every day. Mm -hmm. And she wants that for everyone else around her as well. You know, she's got her best buddy who's called Barry, and he's a bunny. And, you know, um, they go to school, they go on adventures, and these adventures sometimes can, you know, take place in one room for an episode, or a grocery store, or they can go, you know, to uh, a national park and get lost, uh, and a magical curse can take over, and it can be a huge epic story. So we like to, you know, play with the, the small and the big at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's a very free show, it's a very funny show, it's a show that we have a lot of fun making. Awesome, awesome. So where did the inspiration for the show come from? From wanting to have a lot of fun making a show. <laughs> to be honest, we really wanted to create a vehicle for ourselves to like crack jokes and have a good time and make beautiful characters that are very funny to look at and um we both grew up um you know watching the simpsons and uh, mm -hmm. a lot of uh, british comedy as well so we we like absurdist humor and we we you know uh, being coming from cape town south africa um as an animator you don't get to um it's not very easy to work on there on isn't a lot of cool, access cool tv shows to, right yeah. um so you know you watch a lot of it and you make your own stuff um but when you get when you meet somebody who you know shares all of the same sensibilities, and you've got complementing skill sets, uh, 
you go like, right, well, now, if we, what, what is the best show that we could possibly make that we would want to, uh, you know, watch and also have a lot of fun making? And I guess that's... This was the vehicle that <laughs> it emerged. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, since you're from Cape Town, I imagine like, uh, did you have to did you have to grind grind it out with like local animation there before you hit it big with Disney? Um, you know, uh, I, yes. yes, short answer, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, I worked in a couple studios and then I, I went freelance for a while and. Um, You'll you'll do whatever you know whatever comes along, be it advertising, commercial work. Um, like I said, like not too many shows. I did get to work on Caillou, which was great. I was a lead animator on Caillou for a season or two, which is cool. <laughs> but yeah, you absolutely take what you can what you can get, and um, you know, dream big. Okay. Yeah, I'm a writer. I'm not an artist, so um, for me, it was just finding shows that I could work on. And at least I could work remotely. So, you know, I was seeking out work in the UK and Europe. And, and it eventually led us to Disney and LA. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> are you guys still based in um, Cape Town or have you moved here? We moved to Los Angeles. Uh, it'll be two years uh, this January. So, yeah. yeah. The time zone difference was too much for us to manage. <laughs> it's a 10 hour time difference. So, trying to run a show with that kind of. Yeah. Late night meetings was started. It was rough for a while, so we did have to move. But we're very happy in LA, so it's, okay. it's all great. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're currently you're currently, if I understand correctly, halfway through season one. Correct. Uh, airing. Yeah. We're oh. uh, halfway through airing. We're um we we just actually got like our second last episode animation back. So we are kind of wrapping Still up. Still in production. Production yeah. on season one, and we're um you know. Uh, well into season two with uh, scripts and animatics and storyboards okay. and all that. Yeah. yeah. So, so does it have that same kind of like intense time frame that I know a lot of other animated shows have, where <laughs> where you, your calendar r- rules your life and you <laughs> every single moment of every day? Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, this is the best job we've ever had, so we can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> it is a dream job, and I know for a lot of people could say the same thing. And uh, thank you so much for your time and. Uh, this has been um, like uh, again. It's available on Disney Plus. It's called Kiff. Got some absurdist humor. Still appropriate for uh, still family friendly, but Absolutely. yeah. And uh, if you could, uh, could you uh, give a little? You know, just introduce yourselves. Give a little. Say you're listening to a Below the Belt show. Sure. And then um, I don't know, a little Bon Mot or <laughs> something of the sort. All right. Okay. Hi, I'm Nick Small, co-creator and executive producer on Disney's Kiff. And I'm Lucy Heavens, and I'm same job. We share. <laughs> you're, you're watching Below the Belt, and thanks for watching Below the Belt, by the way. Awesome. Thank you. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.